are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It's Friday, February 2nd. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny, once again, Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you're looking for a competitive advantage in today's data-driven world, look no further than your Master's in Business Analytics from the University of Louisville, which you can get in just 12 months. No previous coding experience is required. They got classes available now both online and in person to get started or learn more. Visit business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know it's better as the Big X. Uh, we got Trey Ryan back here producing the show. We've got Matt McGavick from Louisville Report in studio once again on a Friday for at least the first couple of hours today. We're excited about that. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore McGavick. Read his stuff on Louisville Report under the Sports Illustrated umbrella. Matt, how are you? Happy Friday to you. I'm doing good. Happy Friday to you, too. I'm doing good because, if anything, it's actually sunny outside. It does feel good. Uh, we were talking about it before we came on. It um, Yesterday was the first day in, like, five weeks that we've had sun. I, I work in the basement of our house, and I noticed that there was, like, more light coming in, and I thought that maybe we'd, like, <laughs> mess with the window or something. And then I realized, oh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just the actual sun. So it feels good. Not so sunny in, in the, the world outside, though, because you, we both saw the news right before we came on. Carl Weathers. I know. R.I.P. Man. Very sad. My friends asked if I was going to be on the radio, if, if we were just going to be off the radio, if Biden had put out a statement yet, if anything is going on, because <laughs> Carl Weathers, an American treasure, he was uh, Apollo Creed, he was Chubbs from Happy Gilmore, he was, he was all sorts of things, and very sad to see him pass away at the age of 76. We've only just begun to live. Just, I, just, I, Happy Gilmore, one of my favorite movies. I just All I can think of is, shut up, Happy. I got my hand back. And he's, he's happy. He's, he's in a better place now, but... R.I.P. to Carl Weathers. A rough way to start the show. Very, very sad. He's actually in the sky with the gator now. Exactly. Now we, yeah, we, we can, it's not just an image anymore. Very, very sad. Uh, we got plenty to get to today. We've got to a weekend ahead of sports galore. No football, but we've got UofL men, UofL women, football news, all sorts of stuff happening. Baseball's getting closer and closer. You're headed to the leadoff dinner tonight. Should be uh, fun. We'll talk a little bit about your your preview of the 2024 Louisville baseball season. We'll obviously take text from you. We've got some off-the-beaten-path stuff to get to. we got rumors in Lexington happening. It's all it, it's all going down. Turmoil? A little turmoil? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it depends on who you listen to. Who knows what's going on? I mean, both football and basketball a little bit. So uh, all that stuff is, is happening. I figured we would start today. UVL women last night taking care of business 81-69 to over Syracuse. It was a top 25 match. This was an important game because I think that 
people will ask periodically, you know, what do you think of this year's women's team? They're, they're, you know, they're, they're good. The gaudy record is something. But are they a realistic threat to do the type of damage in March that we've gotten used to? And I, I think you go back to the game against Connecticut, and it sort of feels like, yeah, you know, they lost by 22. They didn't really look like a, a realistic title threat at that point. They lost a game to an average Bama team at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I think we've all just been sort of saying, let's wait and see what happens when they get to February. Because the, the schedule in conference for them this season has been backloaded. You know, they're going to play Virginia Tech this month. They're going to play NC State this month. They're going to play uh, Notre Dame this month. They played Carolina at the end of last month. And it did, didn't go great. And Syracuse was kind of the, this was the first test of this of this big month for them. To establish themselves as, hey, we're going to get back to the second weekend for a seventh straight year. We have a chance to go to an Elite Eight for a sixth straight year. And they took care of business last night against the top 25 Syracuse team that was right behind them in the conference standings. Slow start. They trailed by seven at the the first break. Had a big second quarter. Had a big third quarter. And then were able to kind of hold serve in the fourth to, to pull away and hang on and win by 12. But it was a nice – it was a, an effort that was reflective of who they are as a team, I think. You, you had nobody going crazy but four players scoring in double figures. Very much team basketball. It was a nice way to start what is a big month for the U of L women last night. And what I like about this team is that while it doesn't have like your go-to star like NHVL in the past or Dana Evans or someone like that, it's got a bunch of players on there that do exceptionally well. Like on one night, like last night, Nala Harris goes off for a career night. Uh, a couple nights ago, you know, Kiki Jefferson is usually one who is usually the the main scorer, but you know, sometimes it's Sydney Taylor, sometimes. It's Olivia Cochran has a really good night down low. It's a team where you have a lot of options and not one where you're just kind of dependent on one person to kind of explode. It's different than what we're used to, but Jeff Wallace has made it work. I mean, we are, we have been a program that's been star driven, like you said. You've had a nice supporting cast, but think about all the conference players of the year that we've had since Wallace got here. I mean, even, you know, the big names jump out at you like Angel and Asia Durr and. Yeah, recently, Dana Evans, but like Maisha Hines Allen was a conference player of the year. Shoney Schimmel, like just we've we've always had that kind of focal point, who's not just one of the best players in the conference, but who's going to bring home All American honors. I don't think we have an All American on this year's team. Like, like there's there there just isn't. You may have two or three All Conference players though, and that may be enough. And they seem to really all be willing to sacrifice self for team, which is a cool thing. Now, whether or not that can translate to next level success, because women's college basketball, it's typically been a sport where you got two or three teams that can win the national championship, and then everybody else is sort of a tier below. Yeah. And this year, I think it's more like you've got maybe five, six, seven teams that can win a national title. And for the most part, UofL is viewed as a team that's in that second tier where you know, they can get to an Elite Eight. They can get to the Sweet 16, certainly. But it's going to take a heroic effort to knock off one of the top dogs once they get that far. But maybe they can change that perception because, look, They've got some of the top dogs coming up very quickly, and that starts on Monday night. I said this weekend, but it starts Monday night when they will play uh, NC State, who's number five in the country. Beat that same UConn team that pummeled Louisville back in December. That's a 7 o'clock game on ESPN2. And I think that will be a nice little kind of just check in the road for where we are, where we've been, what may happen a month from now when we get into March. If you get blown out in Raleigh, it's, it's a solid sign that, hey, you know, we could be a Sweet 16 team, but that's kind of the ceiling. If you're able to compete with them, you don't have to win, but if you're able to compete with them and be there in the final minutes, I think that goes to show we can play with just about anybody. And on a given night, this team could potentially get back to a Final Four, and who knows what happens after that. But 
uh, until they're able to compete with some of these types of teams, I, I think you view Louisville as sort of like a tier two team this year, which is fine. It's just not right. what we're used to. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, women's college basketball has always historically been like there's one, two, three, maybe four teams that are like true contenders for the title, and then everyone else is kind of behind them. Like, I don't want to say competing for second, but like trying to get as far as they can before like South Carolina or UConn or Tennessee right. eventually takes it all. And we, we've already seen that some of these big dogs can get taken down. Like, I mean, Iowa's not uh, undefeated. Kansas State has a blemish on the record. I mean, the only undefeated team in women's college basketball right now is South Carolina, uh -huh. and they look like a juggernaut. Yeah. So, can, can this team make a Final Four? They could, but, I mean, they, they've got to get everything, like, clicking all together towards the end of the season. And typically, Jeff Wall's teams do. But it, it's going to be interesting, like I mentioned earlier, since this isn't a team, that is driven by star power, it's going to be interesting to see how this team fares against kind of the top dogs in the ACC, like the NC State. What's the old question? I mean, I feel like we've done this several years on the men's side. Like, you're down one with the ball 20. Who's taking the shot with 20 seconds left to play? You know, I think stuff like that sometimes is overblown. If you've got a good system, you don't have to necessarily have somebody who just goes one-on-one. -on -one. If you have three capable scorers, you need a player who can handle the ball effectively make a move to the basket, and then make the right decision once they gain an advantage. And then it's trusting either her to make the, the shot in the lane or her to make the pass to somebody who's going to make the shot somewhere else. Like, you don't have to have – it doesn't have to be, hey, Russ Smith's going to take the shot every single time, which didn't go great for us when, when he was here outside <laughs> of the Cincinnati game. You, you don't have to have that star who's always going to get that ball in that type of situation. Yeah, you don't have to pigeonhole the ball to somebody. Exactly. It, just, you know, run your stuff. Get a shot. Trust your teammates. And uh, hopefully – if that situation comes down to it, we will uh, be able to take advantage. But a big win last night for Jeff Walls and company it was very cool to see. Not just to, you know, not just to win that game, but to win it going away and, and prevail by twelve over a team that was right behind you in the conference standings. Louisville loses that game, all of a sudden it's a it's a four team logjam with two losses in conference play. Instead, the Cards maintain uh, their status atop the league standings. They're the only team in the league that has just one ACC defeat. And they will put that mark on the road uh, uh, to the test again on Monday when they take on NC State for what will be an another gigantic game. It's a huge weekend in college basketball on both men's and the women's sides. And one of those weekends that makes you feel even worse about us just not being part of the conversation. I was just going to say, like, normally this yeah. time of year I'd be super into, like, watching all the matchups. Like, oh, Louisville would match up well against this team or, oh, I wouldn't want to run into this team in tournament. And now I've, for the last couple years I've – kind of had a blase attitude towards college basketball because, I mean, the, the team that I cover has not been that good. <laughs> yeah, it, it sucks. I mean, I think I've been doing freelance stuff for SB Nation and doing some spots, which kind of makes you get back into it. Like, you know, I did a viewer's guide for this weekend, which really broke down. Like, I'm like, made me excited to watch some of these games. But then I do, like, a spot on national college basketball this morning, and I'm wearing, like, the U of a hoodie. They're like, we won't ask you about Louisville. I'm like, God. I'm like, I'm like, one, thank you. Second of all, just please don't even – well, we don't even have to mention it. Like, just don't remind me. Let's just talk about fun hoop stuff. But it is sad. We will be back at some point. It, it does – every time we have this conversation, it makes me think about how just obnoxious slash giddy I'm going to be once Louisville gets back to being a player. At this point. Like, if we were – we don't even have to be insanely good. If we're like a fringe top twenty-five team this time of year from now, and we're playing a top like, like I, I'm, I'm going to play be, meaningful basketball. Just buzzing, I'll, I'll be buzzing the whole entire show. Like we'll just be, I won't even be able to make sense or less sense than usual. I'll be like just so excited, just talking about. Can't wait for the game. Can't wait to be a part of the conversation. Like where do we fit in the the NCAA tournament picture? And instead, I, I'm I'm just sick of talking about the like. Well, they're, it, it will they're be fighting hard. He's got to get fired. Who's going to coach the team? Next? Yeah, it'll be nice to actually break down what happened in a game and not just have 
those talking points kind of be a moot point just because they got their ass kicked at the end of the game? I mean, like the, the way that they schedule these tip times for these games, I mean, it, it's very obvious. Like it's done purposefully. Like where you've got, I mean, I mean UConn St. John's is going to have a lot of attention because UConn's the number one team in the country. St. John's has Rick Patino. Rick called out Danny Hurley a couple of times to play in the game at Madison Square Garden. That'll be a lot of fun. You've got Kansas-Houston, a top uh, top 10 matchup at 4 o'clock. That's cool. Uh, you've got Duke-Carolina at 6.30. You've got Tennessee-Kentucky at, at 8.30. You've got Baylor-Iowa, a top 20 matchup at 8 o'clock. So, like, all these games are kind of, you know, they have their own little lane. And you see with us playing at 8, it's like we're, we're in the, like, we don't care. Like, like, they just go ahead and throw you right in the middle of it. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, damn, I don't want to, like, miss the end of Duke-Carolina if it's going to be a, a really close game. I have selfishly enjoyed the last several weekends of Louisville playing at noon and just kind of just getting it out of the way getting it over with you know my, my we, we've got a kids activities in the morning we go do that get a little bit of breakfast come home watch the game and then you have like the rest of the day in front of you like once you, you got your little write-ups done and you've, mm-hmm. you've heard Kenny Payne say whatever's going to enrage the fan base in the post-game press conference <laughs> and, and then you know it's like it's two thirty, three o'clock you can do whatever you want with the rest of the day instead this weekend it's going to be Oh, yeah, we still have to, to watch that game at 8 o'clock, which, whatever. So, while you're mentioning that, I was curious as to where that Louisville-Florida State game ranks in terms of, like, the watchability oh, on Ken Palm. So I, I went looking. So there are 149 games that day, and Louisville-Florida State ranks 44th in the thrill score on Ken Palm. It's depressing. It's depressing. Yeah. I mean, this is... Think about how big the FSU Louisville games were, not just when Patino was here, but like right before the pandemic hit. You know, they oh, were yeah. we were the two best teams for most of 2019-20 and when we played them, it was very much viewed as a it was a game that was going to decide the conference regular season championship. And because they beat us twice, they got to hang that banner of be, about being number 4 in the final eight people, <laughs> which is still the yep. most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. But now you have this game and and look, Florida State's been playing a lot better since conference play started. They had a disastrous non-con run they get to league play i think they're like tied for for third right because they've only got three i believe losses, so yeah which is sort of crazy um but they are still not highly regarded by the metrics they have to be damn near perfect towards the end of this season if they want to make the ncaa tournament they had a, a chance to pull off a big win over north carolina last weekend did not get it done but these are the types of games if they do harbor any sort of hopes of, of hearing their name called in selection sunday they can't lose to a team like louisville doesn't matter if the game's away, which is so depressing to say, but it's the truth. Uh, but they've had their way with us in in this series. That's putting it lightly. Which is you know pretty wild because Louisville, when we joined the ACC, we'd won like twenty seven straight games or something against them. We we had this ridiculous run of success where over multiple conferences where we just dominated Florida State, and now we have not defeated them at home. Do you know? Do you, you have you seen this? The last time that we beat Florida State at the Yum Center. I think it wasn't under Patino. Yes. 2016. 2016 is correct. We have not beaten this is a team that we play every year, and a lot of times we play twice. We have not beaten them at home since January of 2016. We've not beaten them, period, since March of 2018 when David Padgett beat them in our first game of the, the ACC tournament that year. That's right. A game that a lot of people thought, you know, hey, we're going to, we may have made just made the NCAA tournament by beating them. We beat them in the 8-9 game. We didn't get in. They did, and then they knocked off Xavier, who had our next head coach, Chris Mack, uh, which, which gave him to us a little bit early. The, the wild sequence of events Time in college basketball. It really is. But 
Uh, they've won seven games in a row over us now. We have we have not beaten Florida State in seven tries, which is kind of outrageous. And remember last year they pummeled us when they were like one and nine, and we were one and eight or whatever. Um, it's they will be a fairly heavy favorite in this game, despite it being on our home floor. Uh, I'm going to guess Ken Palm has it as a seven-point game. The spread will probably be right around there, seven and a half, eight, something like that. And, uh, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of faith in our ability to win this game. Wouldn't shock me, but would definitely surprise me. I mean, they have covered the last couple games. We have. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're fighting. They're making games interesting for sure. They still lost six in a row. But this would be, I mean, let me ask you realistically. So Louisville, halfway through its conference slate, there's no question they've played the tougher half of the of their their league schedule. Right. Like there's no more games against uh you don't you don't play Carolina again, you don't play uh Wake again, you don't play NC State again, you do play Duke again. But you've played the the best of the conference so far. And you've only got like one game left against teams that are you know, like I said FSU, the conference record's fine, but like you've got one game left against the teams that are like probably the sixth best in the, in the league. Realistically, how many games do you think Louisville can win here in this, this final 10? I know we don't have to talk about how much it matters or what, but like right. if, if I'm giving you the over-under of, let's say, three and a half league wins, where are you going? I'd probably take the under, unfortunately. Would you? Yeah. I mean, the, the two that really stand out are the Georgia Tech and Notre Dame games, but I mean, both of those teams have shown that they can take down good teams. So, I mean, those two aren't going to be gimme games. And then you know, Florida State, obviously, they've had their way with Louisville over the years. Syracuse has been, you know, okay. Pitt's kind of down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just breaking it down game by game, it's hard for me to make a case for Louisville to win most of them. So I would probably take the under on that three and a half. I think they can win three or four. I really do. Like I, I think that they can. I think if they play with the same effort level that they've been playing recently and some of the same offensive execution, I think with some of their performances recently, like they would have beaten. Like Syracuse, I don't think Syracuse is very good. I think I think they'll get one of those two games against Q's. Um, BC, I think they should beat them at home. It'll be Senior Day. Hopefully, they can get a uh, a solid crowd for that game. And then, like, I, I still think I love Micah Shrewsbury as a coach, and they've definitely gotten better as the season has gone on. His team, if you just look at it from a talent level, like our roster is. This is a little hyperbolic, but infinitely more talented than Notre Dame's team. Like we have, we have guys that they simply don't have. And while I think he is a much better coach than Kenny Payne is, I can see us winning that game just based on sheer talent and and effort level alone. Just because they're not, they'll they'll be fine long term. Like they're going to start getting better. They'll be good in in a couple of years. I'd be willing to bet. But right now, they just do not have a roster that can compete in a conference like this. So I think we're going to get three or four. I didn't realize how bad Notre Dame was on offense. Good lord! They don't have players like they don't like they 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 have decent defensive metrics because they've got a good system and because all of his dudes play hard. But yeah. offensively, they just don't. You, know, you can't. You can have a good system if you have guys that can't make shots, Matt. It's not gonna. It's not gonna look great for you. So Ooh. yeah, they 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 don't have the players. But every now and then, when shots go in, when you have good shooting night, you'll have a performance like they did against Virginia in late December or against Georgia Tech in, in early January. And they've played teams competitively for the most part in league play. They just, they're just they just not very good. I think that's a game that we should win. It's the only game that Ken Palm currently has us projected to, to be favored in for the rest of the season. But I think they're going to get three or four games. And I've already made this prediction, and I'm going to back it up. I'm going to say it again. The Mike Rutherford guarantee? This is not a Mike Rutherford guarantee. <laughs> Let the record show. This is, this is a mere prediction. is not a guarantee. 
I think we're winning a game at the conference tournament. Really? Be- only because it would be the most fitting thing. Because everybody's going to do this countdown where it's like March 12th, here we go, circle the date, you know, it's three days left until the KP airs, and, and people will do this thing on that morning of the game where they're like, mm-hmm. I woke up and the sun was bright, it's the last day with Kenny Payne, and we're all going to have our celebrations planned, and they're going to go out there and they're going to win and extend this thing by at least one more day. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not guaranteeing it, but I'm calling it right now. Because they'll play like a, a Boston College or a Georgia Tech or a Pitt or somebody who they theoretically could beat on a neutral floor, and I think they'll play hard, and I think they'll win the game. and It, it, it would just be so fitting of Louisville basketball right now to just make the awkwardness stretch for at least 24 more hours. But I wouldn't hate it. You know, well, why not? Why not have some fun with it? Yeah, you might as well might as well go out on a high note if you're Kenny Payne because, I mean, there's no way in hell that I can see him coming back next season. So, you know, go down kicking and screaming if you're him. I would hope not, but, you know, people are talking. But that's, uh, <laughs> that's what we have to look forward to now for the rest of the season. It's just, look, I've given the same spiel a number of times. I'm going to give it again. Just buckle down. Just make, Five and a half weeks now is where we are if you're trying to check it off. It's not going to be fun. We're going to keep having uncomfortable conversations. We're going to keep having conversations about how can you believe how bad the team is? Can you believe KP said this? We're going to keep talking about coaching candidates who may or may not even be on the list that Josh Hurd has or who may or may not even be interested. But we're going to get there. And once we get there, things will start to get fun. The coaching search, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. We'll talk ourselves into whoever the guy is, whether he's – somebody that we're initially ecstatic over or whether it's somebody who we're initially kind of like, eh, you know, maybe over, they will do things. We we are so desperately good that we will fall all over ourselves when they start bringing players in, when they start doing press conferences, when they say, hey, I think Louisville is one of the best programs in America and I'm going to get them back there. We're going to be like, hell yeah, man, we are one of the best programs in America. That will be fun. The women making a run in the NCAA tournament will be fun. Baseball season, I think, will be fun. Summer football news, spring football happenings, That'll be fun. We just have to get through these five and a half weeks. It's what I'm telling you. Buckle down. Find a hobby. Do something else. Get really into men's college basketball outside of Louisville. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you have to do. Just push through. And then there will be some fun stuff happening for the rest of the year. I feel very confident about that. And if you make the right hire, guess what? Next season could be hella fun. Because we'll have lowered expectations. We're going to go to the battle for Atlantis. Which will be, even if you only win like one game there. If you win a couple of games. Will be a lot of fun. It's always a good time on Thanksgiving week to be able to watch those games all day and quality opponents and all that good stuff. So the schedule, I think, will be better and more competitive next year. I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, it should be with the right hire who makes you relevant. I'm not saying like NCAA tournament good or top twenty-five good, but at least relevant, at least competitive, at least like a a hopefully above five hundred team next year. There's a lot of reasons for for that season to think that season can be a lot of fun, and here's hoping it happens. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little baseball with Matt McGavick. We've got the leadoff dinner tonight. The season is right around the corner. What are the realistic expectations for the squad after what has been probably Dan McDonald's most disappointing season as UofL's head coach last year? We'll get his thoughts. We'll take some texts from you guys. The number is 502-414-1450. It's all happening after the break. It's all happening here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X.
Welcome back in, Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition, happy Friday to you, from all of us here at 1450 and 96.1 The Big X, hope your weekend's already off to a raging start, if it's not, hopefully it will be uh, very, very soon. We got Matt McGavick in here in studio on a Friday, getting you ready for a big weekend uh, of both Cardinal sports and just a big weekend overall. It's the first weekend of February, the sun's out, we're feeling better, things are going to get better. Uh, we got good news today on the uh, former Cardinal front, how about Teddy Bridgewater? We knew he was saying before the season ended, it was going to be his last in professional football. I was hoping it would have at least ended with a Super Bowl, but it should have, but it didn't. Uh, but he was saying <laughs> when he did hang it up, he wanted to go into coaching at the high school level. So it wasn't really a shock to see that when he did land a job, it was at his old high school, Miami Northwestern, which named him their new head coach today. One of the best programs in all of America, certainly one of the best programs in the state of Florida. And does not hurt Louisville's recruiting efforts down there to have a guy who's pretty familiar with the program and who I likes the program coaching one of the bigger names down there. So uh, good for Teddy, maybe good for us though as well. Yeah, and it, it couldn't have happened to a nicer person because he's one of those type of guys who embodies the the saying better player than better person than he is a player. I mean, it's probably overblown saying that for a lot of people, but that's genuinely true for him. And additionally, I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize that Miami Northwestern was that bad under Michael E. Harris. Yeah, it's it, cuz I remember when um he said he was going to retire and go into coaching. I didn't. I was like, oh, it would be nice for him to go to Northwestern, but they've got Mike Lee down there. Didn't realize that they had gone 4-6 and six and he had gotten canned. Yeah. It went, uh, I think he just had the one season, right, as the head coach? Just the one and season, yeah. Didn't go, and, you know, 4-6 and six for them is like, it, it's like Trinity Snake's mail going 4-6 and six around here. It just, it, they're not going to put up with it very long. And so they made the move, Teddy coming back. Teddy, I mean, Teddy spent a lot of time, you always saw the videos of him when they had bye weeks or something. He came here a couple of times, but he would always go down there, catch a Northwestern game. Mm-hmm. He would do like he did like the strut with the cheerleaders and all that stuff. Like very much had love for his his high school alma mater, and now he's going back down there to begin what I would assume would be a, a successful coaching career. He checks uh, all the boxes for a guy who should be uh, a really good coach, and you know maybe starts at the high school level, maybe he works his way up, maybe he becomes you know Louisville's head coach at some point. Who knows? Never know. Maybe he just stays a Northwestern lifer. You never know. Could be, could be. Well, wherever he's happy, he's done enough. He's earned the right to live however he wants for the rest of his uh, his days, and certainly he's he earned enough money over his 10-year playing career to make it happen. Should be playing, or at least dressing for the Super Bowl in a couple weeks, but that's <laughs> we don't need to bring it up. Yeah, okay. We don't need to bring up those old we'll, memories. We'll move on. We do have the leadoff dinner tonight on the baseball side of things for the cards uh, as Dan McDonald. He's, he's done the media rounds this week as, the, as they begin practice for the 2024 season. Season kicks off in just a couple of weeks. It always, always catches you by surprise just how early it is. Uh, but college baseball, it's a you, you limited amount of time to play before you get to the College World Series in, in late May, early June. So Louisville will, I think they start things, you say, you're going down to Tampa, I think, to watch the Yeah, I'm going down to Tampa because that's where they kick off the season. They're going to be playing in a, a round-robin tournament with Indiana State, USF, and UConn. And two of those uh, teams were NCAA tournament teams last year, so it's going to be a, a, a worthy uh, venture right out of the gate for them. And they, they go down to Florida to start the season every year, and this year they're going back to Tampa. And they've been to Clearwater a few times, but they usually go to Tampa. I think they played USF and UConn in the same thing last year too. I think it was two seasons. ago. It was ago two seasons ago because they, they lost. I know a, they've done they this lost event. One of them, I know. Yeah, they've done this event a few times, but they don't do the same one over and over. They kind of rotate, rotate like what exactly they kick off the season with. Last year, I mean, bizarre campaign. They started off red hot. They played that in the Shriners Classic in Houston. They win it, and they not just win it, they kind of dominate it. And, and so all of a sudden people are saying, 
it, it becomes very much a college World Series or bust type mentality for the fan base and I think for the team. And that was the expectation for Louisville. They get as high as I think they were number two in the polls. I know they were at they, least number they three. They were they were pretty high. They were top five definitely. I can't remember if it was two or three, but they were at least top five. And they drop a couple of early games, and, and you know you're like, eh, it's college baseball stuff like this happens. They get off to a slow start in conference play, and you're like, eh, it's college baseball stuff like this kind of happens. And then they just never really hit their stride, and, and they finish the year 31 and 24. They don't make the ACC tournament for the first time ever. Only two teams out of the 14 team league don't qualify for the conference tournament. Louisville was one of those two, which was a, a major shock. Had never happened before, and they ended up missing the NCAA tournament for the second time in three years. This one, you know, I think a little bit more surprising than the one two years ago because they were coming off of COVID. There was some weird stuff going on. You kind of just chalked it up to eh, bizarre COVID yeah. stuff. But and last plus, year, and plus with that season, you could say you could just look at it and identify. Okay, it was the pitching that kind of right. you know was the primary reason for that downfall. I mean, and last year just it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like the roster seemed to be there, the starting pitching. For a while there, it seemed like you'd taken a step uh, up from where it was a year earlier. It was, it was amalgamation of things. I mean, there were there were injuries for sure. I mean, they were decimated at the catcher spot. I mean, it was to a point where they had to have their fir- their starting first baseman serve as the emergency catcher for mm. a few games. So there was that. the The hitting was not very good in conference play. The pitching it was it was very hit or miss. You would sometimes be able to get yourself out of a, a two runner jam, but some. Either that, and then the next game, if you find yourself in that same situation, you'd be giving up a three RBI hit. And I mean, to be honest, some of the coaching decisions from Coach Mack, they were, I mean, it wasn't the entire season it was like this, but there were some spurts where you're kind of thinking, okay, I'm not sure what the angle he's going for here, but mm. we're just going to roll with it. So it was, it wasn't one of those seasons where you can point to one thing as the sole reason as to why they had such a second half season collapse. It was just a lot of factors that went into it. The thing that I do love about McDonald is as successful as he's been here, like he's kind of earned the right to say this, this baseball program was basically nothing before I got here. I built it into a national power. What I say goes. Like I, I've got carte blanche. And he's he's never done that. He's never been afraid to change when things have gone poorly. You know, the bats, the, the first year he missed the NCAA tournament here was the year that the, the bats changed and he quickly adjusted to it. And you know, the next year they're right back to being a national powerhouse. And he came on the show like a month ago and was talking about how, you know, I said, you know, how much do you kind of balance the, I recognize that we need to change or, you know, with we've done things a certain way here that have worked for a long time. And he straight up was like, you know, we're, we're not afraid to change. We realized that we were not using the transfer portal. It was a huge mistake. We didn't realize how much until we saw what was going on, not just with our program, but across the landscape of the sport last year. And so they went out, they got guys in the transfer portal, they got help at the pitching mound, they got help at catcher. They went out and got some guys that I think you can peg as, as starters this year. And I think they're hoping that that's going to right a lot of the wrongs of last season. As bad as last year was, they did still lose four players to the MLB draft, uh, most notably Christian Napchik, the shortstop. Uh, how do you think they replace those guys? Is it going to be with the portal? Is it going to be guys that stuck with the program that we haven't seen a whole lot of? Uh, I mean, I, I guess give me a reason why you think 2024 will be – a bounce back and not just a, a furthering of some some troubling red flags with this program. So I'll preface this by saying that with the portal, their primary goal there was not to get like a bunch of like the best guys available that might not fit like what they're doing. It was mainly to kind of plug the holes that they had on their roster from the talent that was departing. So Christian Napchek, he gets drafted. They bring in Marist infielder Dylan Hoy, who's going to probably man second base, and he's going. There's going to see Gavin Klein kind of sh- uh, switch over to shortstop. Uh, K- 
catcher was an issue with injuries. So, and with Jack Payton going to the big leagues, they go in and grab Luke Napleton, who was legitimately the best hitter in D2. I think he led D2 in homers, RBI, and hits. Like, two, either two of those three or all three. I mean, he he can hit the ball. And he, he's got the arm accuracy that can carry over from the D2 level to, to uh, the ACC. So, there's shouldn't be a worry there. And other than those guys, at least within the field, this will be a team that will be primarily carried by a lot of the returners because, I mean, on a yearly basis with this program, I mean, they're used to just churning out players left and right, left and right, left and right, and just having to replace, like, basically half of their team in terms of the overall production. This season is a little bit different because out of the 11 qualified batters, which were guys that played 75% of the games and averaged two plate appearances a game, they only lost three of them. They typically lose about half of them. And so they've. while this was a team who didn't really excel in league play, another way to look at it is that, okay, these guys, most of these guys are coming back and they have a chance to redeem themselves. So there's, there's, there's several guys who are coming back who I think have a really good chance of, you know, being stars in ACC play of things all kind of come together. I'm really high on Eddie King Jr., their center fielder. He's... Probably the closest thing to a five-tool player that Louisville has on their roster, and he's got superstar potential written all over them. Uh, Ryan McCoy's got a lot of power; just needs to become a more consistent hitter. You've got guys like J.T. Benson and Logan Beard, who are good hitters who can help elevate this team and become a more well-rounded group in terms of just overall hitting and not just hitting for power. Long story short, with at least with the hitting group, it's not one where you have like a star you can point to and be like, okay. If this team is in a bind at some point late in the game, this is going to be the guy to get things going. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how the women's basketball team is. Uh. There's not a star there, but there's a lot of veteran experience and a lot of depth across the board that's going to kind of collectively elevate them. Then over on the pitching mound, it's like I said with the transfer portal and them kind of plugging holes. They lose uh, Ryan Hawks and Tate Liggett, who was kind of a pseudo starter. Hawks was the Friday guy. So, and they had they had a bunch of guys behind them who they weren't entirely sure if they're going to make the jump from the bullpen to be a starter or stay in the bullpen or maybe stay in the middle or leave for closer, yada, yada, yada. So one of the biggest needs in the portal for them was to go in and get starting pitching. And they did that in getting uh, Wright State's Sebastian Gangora, who was the Horizon League player of the year, uh, pitcher of the year, excuse me, and Jake Caraba from Lewis. I think they were D2 too. He was, he's got some pretty good stuff too. And plus they do bring back one starting pitcher in Carson Liggett who, probably should have been the Saturday starter, even though he was the Sunday guy for most of the season. So he, there's got some experience there, but they've also got some fresh new talent kind of infused there. And they've got a couple options for like the midday spot, like guys like Riley Phillips and Evan Webster. They honestly, both of those guys could push the other three to maybe get a weekend starting spot. So with the pitching rotation, there's just a lot of options to go with. There's not there's not one that you can seriously pencil in like, okay, this guy's going to start Friday, guaranteed. But there's a lot of options who could. They just have to – everything has to just kind of come together. This is a team, when you look at it from a 30,000-foot um, view, if everything really comes together, this can be a team that makes noise in the NCAA tournament. But it's all got to come together, and that's why – you see how Louisville, I mean, just today, the ACC um, baseball preseason bowl came out. They were picked to finish fifth in the Atlantic Division. Hmm. 
and they're not in any of the top 25 preseason polls for all the major polls. They don't have any preseason All-Americans. So, I mean, I mean, when you miss the NCAA tournament for two, twice in a three-year span, I can understand why there's not going to be any you know, preseason buzz there. I think maybe the most concerning thing about the last couple of years has been, you know, we're so used to seeing guys that have been sort of, you know, whatever, maybe like middle relievers, maybe they, they do a little bit of work their first couple of years, develop into legit all-conference type starters under Roger Williams. I mean, think about, I think Williams had produced a the, the conference pitcher of the year in basically like half of his seasons at Louisville before the last couple of years. And the starting pitching the last two seasons especially has just not been good enough. It's not been up to snuff. And I think and the bullpen hasn't been great either. And I think now it kind of creates this concern of you know, McDonald and Williams have been this such a, a great combination. Like, is it getting a little stale? Like, like, are you just getting over the hump? Have, have they just run out of luck? Or is something happening that is is changing this because the pitchers just don't seem to be developing the way that they, they were? Is it safe to say, like, this is kind of a this is a big year for that in terms of deciding whether or not this has just been kind of a brief one-off and we'll get back to business as usual starting this season, or if it's a a, a troubling trend that's going to continue. No, I, I think it's it's very much kind of a make-or-break. I don't want to say make-or-break year for the staff, but it's kind of like a prove-it year for the staff just because, especially with, like you said, Roger Williams, because in, in 2021 when they missed the tournament, you could definitely point to pitching as being like the primary reason why they did not make the tournament. Mm-hmm. And while pitching wasn't like, the reason that they missed the tournament last season, it played a role in that. And there have been games where, like you said, the starting pitching has not been up to snuff, and some of the bullpen guys that come in on the, on the back end, they don't look as sharp or don't have the command that they should. I'm not saying that Roger Williams, like his job is on the line this season, but if the pitching starts to look a little shaky this season, there needs to be some uncomfortable conversations had between him and McDonald. I mean, we could use, there's never been a better time for McDonald and company to step up and give us something to get excited about because you know, by the time we get to baseball season, I mean, let's just say for the sake of saying, I hope it doesn't happen, but let's say women's basketball, they lose in like the second round of the NCAA tournament. And it's a good year, but it's not up to our typical standards. Men's basketball has been a disaster. Like we want to get behind a program that we feel like can win a national title. And if baseball can give us that, especially in a year where they're not you know, being showered with preseason top 25 predictions, it, it would be a lot of fun, and it would be nice to have everybody be like, well, thank God we still have Dan McDonald. This would be a nice year for him to step up and, and carry the load into the spring because it's just – if we Fans go, need something to cling we, to. We need something to cling to, and if we go from like the end of football through the entire winter and the entire spring without having something to get super like top-tier excited about – uh, you know, it's going to feel like a long, long wait until football starts again on, on August 31st. So it, this would be a nice time for baseball to to have a surprisingly fantastic season. And look, I'm, I'm not putting it past Dan. I know there are reasons to believe that they're not going to be legit national title threats, legit ACC championship threats. But every time that we think that, he seems to step up and surprise us and, and produce a, a fantastic year. So I would not be shocked at all if this team is top 20 good and then you know, wins a regional, goes to the Supers again, has something like that happen, and I hope they do because I think we all want to believe that McDonald and company will be here producing top-tier teams for you know, as long as they want to be. And it, it seemed like that for a while, and now it's the first kind of time where I think there's some questions surrounding the direction of the program, and hopefully they can get that straightened out. I, I want to talk to you, uh, Jamari Thrash, Jarvis Brownlee, this week at the Senior Bowl. Both big-time efforts, Brownlee especially, has gone from a guy that I think was sort of talked about as a, hey, maybe he can hear his name called, we'll see what happens, to 
now getting bandied about as like a potential second round pick is what people are saying. Certainly could be a middle round guy. I didn't really see this coming. I thought Jarvis Brownlee was good for us. You noticed there was a drop off in the defense from the time that he got hurt uh, through the end of the season when he was playing, you know, kind of splitting snaps with Storm Duck and still wasn't really himself. But, I mean, did, did it surprise you to see him be like not just a, a guy that was getting a little shout out here and there, but by all accounts, like one of the biggest performers this week uh, at, at, during senior bowl practice? Uh, yes and no. I mean, when you, when you, when most fans probably think of Jarvis Brownlee, they think of, yeah, he's he's good, but he had a tendency to get toasted sometimes. But, I mean, when you, when you look at his overall skill set, I don't want to say that the current system here at Louisville didn't cater to his strengths. But, I mean, in the right scheme in the NFL, I think he has a really good chance to thrive because while he's not the greatest – well, not, let me rephrase that. While he's not the most consistent in coverage, he thrives – when on the line, pressing wide receivers, playing bump and run coverage, sitting in the flats, that and being just a physical pest, it, he's not going to play like super super sticky coverage like someone like a Quincy Riley is going to do. Uh-huh. So if he's in the the right scheme that utilizes his talents as a really physical corner who loves to jam opponents off the line and kind of throw them off their timing, he can really excel. And that's and that's exactly what it has shown through in the week of Senior Bowl practice. He's been. Really physical. He's been really dominant when trying to screw up the timing of the receivers he's gone up against, and he actually has looked a lot better in coverage than I expected him to. So that's and that's probably plays into why he's been one of the most like one of the biggest risers of all of the Senior Bowl practice this week. Cornerback uh, is always, I mean, even safety too, to a lesser extent, but it's the most thankless position I think in all of football because let's say that you you do everything right. You cover a dude, you, you press coverage, boom, you stick right with him. You don't like he's not open because of, of your insane effort, and the quarterback gets sacked. Nobody's saying like great job to you. Like no fan is recognizing that. Yeah, and, and all can, it takes is for you to get burnt exactly. one time. <laughs> you, you can do that eight consecutive plays, and you're never going to have the fan base being like, "Damn, like see that he's killing it." Like the coaches will recognize that and stuff. But then on that ninth play, if you just get you, you fall for a double move and you get burnt by twenty yards, everybody in the world sees it. Yep. And you always kind of heard that growing up playing football. Like, you know, if a lineman gets you know, bettered uh, in the trenches, but somebody makes like a two-yard run, like n- nobody sees that. Nobody cares about it. If you make a mistake at cornerback, everybody watching the game sees it. Everyone knows who did it. Everyone knows who screwed up. And it sticks with people. And so I think cornerbacks probably unfairly get criticized more than any other position in, in football. I, I mean, think about how much we just piled on Russ East. We're like, this guy sucks. Yeah. And, and, you know, he wasn't – he did get blo- – I think burnt a lot here at Louisville. But then he goes to Kansas State, he's all Big 12, and now he's playing in the NFL as a starter. And you're like, well, he, he probably was doing some things right, I guess. Yeah. But Brownlee was kind of the same thing. I mean, Florida State fans criticized him for how much he got burnt. They laughed at him when he was trying to cover Johnny Wilson a, a couple of years ago, which was just kind of unfair. It's like, throw the ball up to him. He's only yeah. so much you can do. But he was a good player for us. and I, He was. I, I think now you're seeing that skill set, like you said, being able to translate to the NFL level, and it's cool to see him turning heads on, on the biggest stage that he's been on so far as far as his his individual career is concerned. Jamari Thrash also has had a good week by all accounts. He started off the week with uh, struggling with drops a little bit, but the route running, the making some catches during 7-on-7 seven seven that, that wowed the coaches, uh, wowed the scouts, seemed to be establishing himself as a guy who probably is going to get picked in the upcoming NFL draft. Not sure where it's going to be. 
but seems more likely a back end guy, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh round. But I I hope that the the hand surgery doesn't hurt him here because we saw how good he was at the beginning of the season yeah. before he had that injury. It it seems like he's starting to really get past the effects of what that surgery did to him because I mean heading into this draft class of receivers, I mean he's not going to be the fastest, the quickest, the twitchiest athlete in in that group. So it's He's, he was going to have to really stand out in terms of all the other intangibles as a wide receiver. How he how he looks running routes, how he high points the ball. Is he able to maintain contact after, through the catch? And so far during the week of senior bowl practice, he's done all of that and maybe looked a little bit better in terms of his overall explosiveness than maybe a lot of NFL scouts thought he was going to. What do you make of – I want to go back real quickly to the Brownlee situation because when – I'm sure you had the same conversations. When people were talking about – the decision Quincy Riley had to make. I know there were a lot of people at UofL and a lot of people that had been close to Quincy who were kind of telling him, this is a cornerback-heavy draft. You, you, If you get the right NIL deal, come back for another year, become an All-American, show more of yourself to the, the scouts, and you could be a first or second-round pick next year. I wonder what he's thinking looking at this now and being like, dude, you know, like, I'm the star corner on this team. People were throwing at Jarvis Brownlee this year because they did not want to throw at me, and now he's being talked about as a second-round pick. He's showing. I wonder if there's a part of Quincy Riley's that, that that's like, you know, maybe uh, maybe I should have gone ahead and gone out because I would be doing the same thing here. Uh, that's it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on because I'm curious to see where he stands on draft boards going into to next year when they start doing this 2025 top cornerbacks because if, if Brownlee's this good, Riley's been better than him basically since he got here. And oh yeah, you'd think he would have the same type of success once he gets goes through these activities a year from now. Yeah, well, I mean, we dived into the advanced analytics on uh, some of these cornerbacks when I was recording uh, from the pink seats the other night, and just looking at how well Riley held up in coverage when quarterbacks did throw his way, it was phenomenal. I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I think what I remember was of the nearly three hundred. FBS cornerbacks who had at least, I think it was 300 coverage snaps, he had the fourth best uh, per, uh, reception percentage against him Jeez. in all of the nation. I mean, that's speaks volumes. Yeah. The secondary, I mean, uh, am I wrong in thinking, and this is kind of a, a quick aside, the secondary should be a strength for Louisville this year. I, I feel like if they can get that second cornerback position hammered down, and they've got, we talked about the last time that you were on, They've got a, a cast of characters who could potentially fill that spot. The safeties should be good. I know you're losing some, you're losing Cam Kelly from last year, but you get MJ Griffin back. Devin Neal, I think, is coming back. Um, you bring in a couple of guys from Wesley Walker from Tennessee to Mary McDonald can play safety, can play that card position. I feel, I mean, as good as the defense is overall, the defensive line speaks for itself. The secondary, I think, should also be a strength for us next year. Yeah, because you've got Quincy Riley coming back, obviously. Corey Thornton, who is a really long-rangey type cornerback who looks pretty good for USF in their first year um, in the Big 12, even though UCF themselves didn't look that great. Then you've got a cast of characters behind them, and like Tayon Holloway, Trey Franklin. I think Aaron Williams, once he's fully healthy, should be able to contribute at some point. While I think the Defensive line is probably the strongest position group on the defense for Louisville. I think the secondary is, the secondary is probably right behind them. Uh, let's give a, before we break here and in the first hour, a couple odds and ends here. Should make mention of the fact that Donovan Mitchell is an all-star at the NBA level for a fifth time. Um, 
he's kind of in that group now of guys where it doesn't really matter what type of season you're having, you're just going to be an all-star. Like that's he's getting that type of treatment. I mean, because that's the all-star team every single year, right? It, it's a it's like there are eight to ten guys you can pencil in. Like LeBron's going to be an all-star, Durant's going to be an all-star, Luke is going to be an all-star. If they're averaging like 11 points per game, they're going to be on the all-star yep. team. Embiid, Giannis, all those guys. And Donovan now is kind of in that group where it's like he's going to be one of those 10 guys that you see every year, and they're going to be five or six guys that are kind of just, hey, they're having a great season. We're going to put them in. But very cool to see Donovan. I, I still I know we're, what, seven years into this. I'm still blown away by just how good he is as a pro. I thought he had a chance to be in the NBA for a long time. I thought he could be a player who could – you know, contribute, wasn't just going to be a guy who sits on the end of the bench for a while. I never in my wildest imagination would have thought that the guy that we saw at Louisville for those two years, who was good, would become the elite of the elite, the cream of the crop in the NBA, and that's where he's been from basically day one in this league. Yeah, I, I thought he would be a good, like, you know, fourth or fifth option on a good team, and I wouldn't say that would be a ceiling. I, I would think that maybe he had all-star potential. I, I wouldn't think that he would get to all-star potential right out of the gates and only getting better. I mean, ever since he got to Cleveland, yeah. I mean, he's looked even better than he did when he was in Utah. I just remember, like, it was the the summer before his freshman year, and we were with some of, like, the Patino, the family members and stuff, tailgating for a football game. And they all were like, just telling you right now, like, Rick says Donovan is, is going to be, like, the next great one. Like, like he's... He's the real deal. And I'm like, you know, he wasn't that highly touted. They were like, he had the injury, didn't get to play AAU his junior year. Uh, he, he really came on. They're like, just wait. Like, like he's the next big one up. And then you see him. I remember his first dunk when we went to Puerto Rico that before the 2015-16 season. It was this, this jaw-dropping. You know, the, the, it became something that we saw a lot. The alley-oop where he just one-hand crams it, catches it in one motion, yep. and just tomahawks on a guy. And you're like, holy bleep. And then you, like, I mean, he was a bench player on that 2015-16 team. And started really slowly in 2016-17 before becoming a first-team All-ACC player. But it took a while to kind of see the, the the pro potential he had. And it is sort of jarring to look back and think about the fact that there was a legit argument about whether or not he should even go pro after his sophomore year. There were a lot of Louisville fans who were like, why would you do this? Like, you're, you're not ready. You're not going to be great. And he was, uh, he he was, was very, very ready. ready. Very ready. <laughs> Brett Dawson, who covered UofL here, covered UK, he was covering NBA at the time. And he, like, messaged me. And he was like, during Donovan's rookie year, and he was like, so Donovan's like incredible. He was like, he's like, did you think that he was going to be this good? Because I'm they're playing the Thunder right now, and he's incredibly good. And I was like, no. I was like, I, I thought he could be a good NBA player. I did not think he would ever be a uh, an absolute superstar, and that's what he's been. Props to him. Fifth All-Star uh, team in seven seasons, which is wild to think about. Yeah. Uh, that's hour number one. It's in the books. When we come back, we'll hear from you guys. It's your hour. Hit us up at 502-414-1450 on the Thornton's text lines with your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your concerns, your topic ideas, your whatever. We'll let you take control after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big X.
All right, welcome in to hour number two here of the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. we got Matt McGavick here in studio of Louisville Report. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore McGavick. I still miss General Wasp. So it was still the best. <laughs> the old handle was great. I know, I know. Uh, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Your minor Thornton's hooking you up with the best deals all 2024 long. If you want to save money at the pump, if you're traveling uh, this February weekend, Use your refreshing your, your Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app. It's very easy to download. Just go to your phone, search Thornton's. You'll have it down there, downloaded in about 30 seconds. And then you'll save money at the pump. You'll save money inside if you need a tasty treat from one of this area's 54,891 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. I am enjoying seeing all of the, I guess, the old KRC tweets from this morning about the, the scuttle, the hubbub out there about... What's going on with DJ Wagner, who did not mm-hmm. play on Wednesday night? I didn't know that there was any sort of rumor about this being something nefarious, but uh, I, I guess... I haven't heard those rumors either, to be honest with you. Well, the rumors are out there, and they came up, on, I guess, on KSR, and people are mad at Matt Jones for reading a text from somebody who, I guess, called that Wagner wasn't going to play on Wednesday and is now saying he's not going to play tomorrow, and it's not because of injuries, because, hmm, Papa Wagner's not happy with some stuff. Not Milt, but DeWan Sr., Mm-hmm. Not happy. Not happy with what's going on. Who knows if there's any truth to it? Interessante. We got that going on. We got Liam Cohen leaving uh, UK again after, you know, he kind of pulled the Bobby Petrino where it was like, I'm committed to staying a long time this time. I promise. I- I'm really not going anywhere. And then he interviews for 17 different jobs and finally takes the one that offers him with the Bucks. Would not be shocked if uh, if Vince Merrill gets a look for that offensive coordinator <laughs> position. You got you to do what you can to keep him. I think a raise is in order. Uh, he, he's he's putting a blanket over the city. He's putting a blanket over the state. He's the big dog. He's recruiting the hell out of this area. you, you got to do whatever you can to keep Vince Merrow. And if that means making him co-offensive and defensive coordinator, then so be it. you got to do what you got to do to keep that guy. Sounds good to me. But, yes, yeah, wild to see Liam Cohen leave. Now they're talking about Will Stein, which I would rather have Liam Cohen be there for a billion years than them get Will Stein just because it would oh, yeah. crush me personally as somebody who – really, really likes Will uh, on, on a personal level and who recognizes just how good of a job he's done everywhere he's gone and who sees him as a I – mean, he's a. it's not me. It's a, Everyone sees him as a rising star in the college coaching business. I don't want him having anything to do with Lexington. But I can tell you this. like Even though he went to UofL and, and certainly still bleeds red, his family like, – he grew up like a diehard Kentucky fan. And his dad, I did not know that. so much so to the point where like his dad would go to to U of L games and obviously cheer for U of L. But if U of L was playing a Thursday night game, he was he was going to the Kentucky games and still cheering for UK. Like his dad is like a diehard, so it would not be like one of those crazy turncoat things if Will went to Kentucky and coached. He would just kind of be going back to his roots. Um, don't want to see it. Hopefully, Oregon can match whatever UK would offer, but. They're going to go after him, it sounds like. Yeah, the more you talk about it, the more this seems like you're speaking into existence. I don't want that to happen. I, I, I do not want it to happen. I want Will Stein to stay away from Kentucky forever. He's ours. He's given the thumbs up. Um, yeah. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Texture says, would you say that this team is Jeff Walls' best coaching work? He's gotten everything out of them. Also, have you guys talked about Walls helping Purcell's kids get the pool Walls is the best. I don't know. What's, what's that story? That I don't know. Helping Purcell's kids get the pool? I don't know. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, but I'm not sure what that one means. Did he help the Purcell family get a pool for their house? Did he help is he talking about the players in Mississippi State? I don't, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm as lost as you are on that one. As far as this being Walls' coaching, best coaching job, I mean, you can make the case. 
I, I do think a lot of times we just we pay attention to, to seasons like this where the expectations are diminished and the team is is playing really well and just kind of gloss over like it's really hard to win at a high level even when you're preseason number five to actually go out there and be a legit top five team is it doesn't just happen because of a system. It's why I always, unless there's a crazy situation where like a team is picked to finish last in a conference and, and they wind up finishing second, third, something like that. Like a lot of times, like if a team is dominant, that team's coach deserves to be coach of the year because it's tough to win football games. It's tough to win basketball games. It's tough to win at any sort of level, uh, especially when you've got a target on your back. So like, I'm hesitant to say that this is his best coaching job because we've had some really good teams that were supposed to be really good that followed through on that, and he deserves credit for that as well. But certainly he's done a great job, especially after, you know, I, I think there were some people that left the team that weren't anticipated. I mean, this is a this is a totally new thing for Jeff Walls to go out there and grab nine players to come in this season and only bring back four from last year, and really only one really key contributor with Olivia Cochran, and to be able to take them and form them into a cohesive unit pretty quickly is, is certainly something that warrants a lot of praise. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of his better coaching jobs because, like you said, you get all of those all those newcomers. There's no guarantee that they're all going to gel together, all get along, and kind of all be on the same page. I think it also helped that they were able to get some extra reps in over the summer and play in the uh, what was it the Global Jam yeah. over in in Canada. So that certainly helps too. But I mean, still, even with those extra reps together and extra you know in game playing time together, you you as the head coach still have to make it all go together cohesively to put together a good product on the court, and that's difficult to do. So this this is absolutely one of Walls' better coaching jobs. I don't know if it's his best, but it's up there. I'm trying to make sense. Dugan, Dugan texted me, and I still doing this. This makes very little sense to me. Um, apparently, Sam Purcell, he's got three daughters, mm-hmm. and yeah, he's, Dugan said, "Sorry, I'm voice texting." It makes no sense, dude. I'm, I'm not following your text at all. I'm trying. I'm having to go to outside <laughs> sources here. They get to his daughters got to pick a game that they want to win, and if they win it, like they get a prize. Last year, they the game they picked, they won. They got a trampoline. This year, they picked LSU that they wanted their dad to win, and he won it. And Jeff Walls, I guess, made certain that the pool arrived this week because he's got some sort of hookup. So, there you go. Huh. Interesting. I mean, would not enjoy that. Would not hate that childhood. Imagine that. No. If like you're, yeah, I mean, would love to get a pool for no reason, let alone my dad. But also, like, eventually, they're not going to win these games. Like, he, they're going to pick out like. South Carolina next year, he's going to lose it. And they're not going to get a puppy or something. Like that's going to be it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow after these first two years. You're playing a dangerous game, Purcell, but so far you've made it work. It's paying off for him so far. Texter says, "I think we have a real shot tomorrow. It's only a five point spread." St. John, this is the guy who wanted me. He, he's been texting me all week long to say, "Spend Friday's show acting like the St. John's UConn game is the real game that we're previewing, not Louisville, Florida State." He's been saying this all week, and so now he just launches right away <laughs> into the, I think we have a real shot tomorrow. It's only a five-point spread. St. John's has lost four of their last five, but two of those were one-point losses, and they beat Villanova by 20, where UConn only managed to squeak out a one-point win. UConn only averages four points per game more than St. John's, and the Red Storm have gone nine and two at home. Mike, what are your thoughts? I think they got a shot. I mean, it's possible. They're playing at Madison Square Garden. I think that like Patino has been poking the bear a lot with uh, with Danny Hurley, he's 
kind of made Danny Hurley his new John Calipari. I'm not sure it's wise. Like, like Hurley's one of those. Like, I, I know you're Rick Pitino. I know he's a relatively younger guy, at least compared to you. He's not the type of guy that I would want. I think can get off kilter by getting in his head a little bit. I think it only just motivates him more. Like, he's the right type of insane. I, I would not be shocked at all if UConn kind of wins this game going away. UConn, had, St. John's had a bad loss. Yeah, and the St. John's hasn't looked good the last like two weeks or so. No, they had the, they beat they looked good beating Villanova by twenty, which was cool, but. I know it was on the road, but Xavier's a team that you probably have to take care of business against right now if you want to solidify yourself as a, a, a NCAA tournament team. I mean, there's no, like, the Big East is great. Outside of Georgetown and DePaul, everybody's kind of good in that league. <laughs> and, I mean, DePaul is maybe the worst power conference team we've ever seen. And one that beat us by seven uh, pretty easily back in December. But I, I think they got a shot. Like, I, I'm not going to bet on them. I would bet on UConn to cover, but it would not be the craziest thing in the world to see St. John's win tomorrow. And then they get... Their schedule is a little bit easier. Like they still have two games against DePaul and two games against Georgetown. So they they're probably going to finish right around 500 in the Big East, and that should be good enough to get them into the NCAA tournament, which is a pretty solid accomplishment for a guy who inherited a terrible program and really only brought back one guy from their roster the year before with Joel Soriano. So I mean, I don't know if you've heard of this. I can coach a little bit. Coaching matters. He's not bad. Texture says, sources are telling me that Dan Hurley is a realistic option for the right price, and there's value in only half the buyout of Mick. Would be very interesting for the rivalry with Patino. Have you heard the same? Just say yes. I'm creating this narrative out of hope, pain, and desperation. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Every single person is a candidate for the job. We've established that already. There's nobody who's off, the, who's off, off limits. Every single person is a candidate. I mean, I would – I'm trying to think of what I would do to get Danny Hurley to be the coach here. I don't know if you'd be able to say it on the radio. I'll give you a pinky finger. No question about it. I'll, I'll give a pinky finger. I'll give you a pinky toe. I may give you one of both. He'd be perfect here. He'd be incredible. And it's not going to happen, but it would be it would be wonderful. What about Tommy Lloyd, though? I would love Tommy Lloyd. They're cutting, cutting athletic programs in Arizona. What's going on there? I know. Maybe. It's a sinking ship, Tommy. Come on over. Maybe best case scenario is Tommy like loses early in the NCAA tournament for a third straight year, and we're like, you know, we can get him a little bit cheaper. He hadn't won the NCAA tournament yet because like, tournaments a, is a little bit uh, of a lucky deal, and you know they they flopped in year one as a one seed. They got beaten the first round last year by Princeton as a two seed. Maybe if it happens again this year, he just will want to change the scenery, and we can get him for cheaper than we should. I would love to have Tommy Lloyd. It'd be fantastic. Texas says Super Bowl and KP is depressing me. I literally never said this before, but I'm excited for baseball season. Reds, cards, are the cards going to be good this year? Well, we talked about that last hour, but uh, I think that they got a good chance to be good. I think the Reds are going to be exciting as hell. Um, I, can't wait. I can't wait for the Reds. I, I'm actually looking forward to them for the first time in years. Like They've got some exciting young guys. Ellie is starting to become one of my favorite current players. I'm glad they kind of addressed some of the needs in the pitching, in the pitching yeah. rotation. Not they still haven't signed Dylan Cease yet. But, they haven't. You know, but there's still time to write this wrong, Castellini. I'm so over the last week or so. Yeah, you know, I've struggled with the the Lions' loss. Still coming to terms with it. Still kind of hard to believe that it's over. But I've been starting to get excited about the Reds. And I'm talking to you know my buddy Danny, his who I do the podcast with. His uncle's the equipment manager. His whole family works with the Reds. Like they're there. They've done it. The clubhouse is named after his grandpa. They're they're an institution there. So he always has the inside scoop. And he's like, yeah, I was talking to Uncle Rick. He's like, he's he's not sure that we're not going to take a step backwards this year. I was like, don't tell me this right now. I was like, I don't. I was like, I need you to lie to me. I need to get excited about the Reds. I don't want to hear that we're taking a step back. 
Uh, I, I want to hear that we're definitely going to make the playoffs and that everyone in that clubhouse believes it. But it did make me feel a little bit better last year because the, the inside scoop at the, after spring training was, hey, Votto came to my uncle and he was like, we're going to be real bad, Rick. And he, he thought they were going to suck. And they didn't suck. They were right there. They took the, till they, the penultimate day of the regular season to be eliminated from the playoffs. So I'm excited for that. I'm with the texter, though. I don't care about this year's Super Bowl. I was hoping to at least have Lamar if I didn't have the Lions. And now it's like, I don't I could care less about the Don't like the Chiefs. Don't really care about the 49ers. Yeah. Don't care about the game. And, you know, the, I mean, the Kenny Payne situation is exhausting. Objectively, the football should be fine. But then you've got Taylor Swift frenzy versus Brock Purdy propaganda. And I don't really want to root for either of them. I'm fine with the Taylor Swift stuff. Like, I, I, I was... I was buying in. I enjoyed the like Lamar save us memes and all that stuff, but it doesn't bother me to show Taylor Swift or the. I mean, she's like the most yeah. famous woman in the world. Like, I'm 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 fine with it. it. Doesn't it's not crazy to me. Um, you know, we've dealt with this before. If you know, if it was somebody's like very famous father and they showed them, I feel like people wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah. It's it it adds a little bit of spice to it. I just don't like the Chiefs. I, I wish it was. Yeah. I wish she was dating someone that I actually enjoyed. I think Travis Kelsey's kind of a cornball. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is a big gigantic baby. Like the Chiefs as a whole organization are just gigantic babies, and I want to see them fall. So, I guess I'll root for the 49ers, even though I've got yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I'm just tired of seeing Mahomes win all the time. Although, like, I guess if you don't like Taylor Swift, it would it would kind of rub you the wrong way. I guess I can kind of understand. Like, I, I don't like. I've no. I enjoy Taylor Swift. It's fine. Yeah, I feel about this is going to be a weird comparison, but work with me here. Okay. I feel about Taylor Swift the same way I feel about the Dallas Cowboys. I don't objectively hate the Cowboys. I don't objectively hate Taylor Swift. You don't like the fans. Their fans are insane. I guess I kind of get it because like when they showed Brock Purdy's family and I saw Chubba Purdy, I was like, get him off my screen. <laughs> so maybe that's how the ta- people who just really don't like Taylor Swift feel because I don't want to see Chubba Purdy. He's, get him out of my life. Get him out of my face. He screwed us. Although he ends up not being a guy who would have been good here anyway. So yeah. whatever. Texas, can we talk about how Brock Vandegrift's dad doesn't know what this phrase means? I saw that. What did he say? <laughs> so, Brock Vandegrift, the 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 uh, his father, the, the the Kentucky quarterback, his father Greg Vandegrift told KSR Plus that Brock is remaining committed to Kentucky after Leon Cohen's likely departure, and says lions don't worry about the opinions of sheep. I mean, <laughs> does he realize like that doesn't make any contextual sense? I do like the idea of just throwing out there like a, a cliche and just kind of just having no idea what it really means, because um, it involves a lion. Just being like, yeah, yeah. we don't really. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else would fit there that would be hilarious. If he was just like, you know, uh, there's no I in team. Why not? Just throw it out there. Or bleep it, we ball. Sir, this is a Wendy's. Texas, what a re- what a rough week for Jeff Goodman. First, he gets exposed as a snitch. Now, his employer, The Messenger, announced that they're closing. I guess the clickbait article is Kenny Payne is the worst coaching hire backfired after all. I did see that The Messenger shut down. Which no, I, I, I missed both. Wait, well, how is he a snitch? I, I must have missed this. You didn't see any of the um, that, that the DePaul guy who made the documentaries? Uh, all that back and forth? Oh, this is college basketball Twitter was ablaze all week with this. Really? So he, there was this guy... It's actually a guy who like hates me and hates the show because he's he's like the DePaul degenerate, and I had to mute him a while ago. Oh, but he I, I guess produced these Big East documentaries. He created this account called Big East Films and was making a documentary for every program in the Big East. And he made one about Providence that 
I guess, painted Ed Cooley in a little bit of a bad light. It talked about a rumor that he'd had an affair. It did something that that John Fanta, who works with those guys over at the Field of 68 and does stuff with Fox Sports, didn't like. And I, I guess the film did use clips from Fox Sports without their permission. Mm-hmm. But basically, the, the account got shut down this week, and the guy who ran it was the DePaul degenerate guy, and he revealed some text messages or direct messages that Goodman had sent him being like, you need to take this. Like you're, you're going to get sued. It's not going to be good for you. Like I don't think you'll go to jail, but you'll lose a lot of money. And then like the 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 one where the guy's like, uh, you know, I'm going to be fine. Goodman's like, I hope you look good in orange. And he's like, well, am I going to jail or am I not going to jail? Which is it? And they kind of go back and forth. And Goodman's like, you're a bad person and all this stuff. It, it was just a bad look for Jeff. And then he was asked, you know, he, he put out this apology video where he like apologized for the way he handled it, but then spent two minutes talking about like why he did it and kind of justifying his actions. And it, it was... People were all over the college basketball world were just piling on him and, and being like, oh, here for the, the downfall of Jeff Goodman and all this stuff. It was definitely a rough week for them. And then he and Seth Davis both had started writing for that The Messenger website. Um, actually, yeah. another one, Ryan Nanny, who I used to work with SB Nation, worked for them as well. And they just shut down abruptly this week and everybody lost their jobs. So that sucked. I, I followed their 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 main Twitter account when because every now and then Goodman and Davis would have stories that would break news. And so I'm trying to keep up with it. And then I realized very quickly it was just a total clickbaity, one of those type, just rehashing the yeah, same videos. Sure. Like, like what Disney star could, like, like this, this crazy thing, and you'll never believe what we saw going back and watching Beauty and the Beast. And I'm like, you know, it's just, it was a lot of annoying stuff out there. I can see why it folded, but it was, that, that was some rough news for them. But it's, it was a rough week for Jeff. No kidding. Good grief. He's trying to bounce back now. Texas says, Mike, you've been discussing the bottom tier programs in the ACC and how you expect UofL to win and compete in based on talent alone. You remember that we lost to Kentucky Wesleyan, right? Any <laughs> remaining win on the schedule is a blind squirrel finding an acorn. Talent means nothing without direction. I get it, but like, yeah. you know, we've been competitive. Oh, God, I'm going to do it. We, we, oh, we've here, been, here it is. My, my point is we've been competitive against the best teams in the ACC, playing hard, not playing well. It's not good enough. Don't get me wrong. But – if you take some of those same efforts, like if you take the way that we played down the stretch against Clemson and you put it against Boston College, you got a better chance of winning that game. Like, I, I, there's no, I mean, we're, we're, I'm not hanging my hat on this. I'm not sitting here being like, it's all good. We're going to win three games against the, the worst teams in the, the ACC over the next month and being like, this is a, a gigantic celebratory deal. I just think it's going to happen. Like, I, I think they're going to win a handful of games. I think they're going to finish like four and 16 or five and 15 in the conference. And they're going to end up winning a game in the conference tournament. And none of it's good enough to justify a year three for Kenny Payne. I will stop doing all of these jobs if we get a year three for Kenny Payne and there's no sign that it's going to get any better because I just cannot handle another year of this. But it's just a prediction. Could it be wrong? Of course. I say wrong stuff on the show every single day. Would not also be shocked if we finished 2-18 and 18 again. Second straight year in the ACC. And at this point, who cares? Like, you know. It's like I said in the middle of the last game when Kenny Payne got teed up. You know, people are like, "Thank goodness." I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, take it a step further, man. Take your shirt off. Like, like, just you know, just throw the chair. Throw a chair. Who cares at this point? Like, start put Zan at point guard. I don't care. Get put Aiden McCool at center the next game. Who cares at this point? Just do whatever you want. You've got free reign for the next six weeks. You're probably not going to get fired. You're going to get paid the same amount of uh, regardless. Just do whatever the hell you want. It's fine. Texas says, "Does UK losing Liam?" Put their dreams of a six and six season in jeopardy. <laughs> they become more of a seven and five program. I mean, hell, if we could ever beat them, we could knock them down to six and six a couple of times. Right. 
I mean, I don't like, like whenever we talk about UK coaches leaving, it's weird because they've owned us. They've won five straight. We haven't beaten them since Lamar was here. Mm-hmm. But it's not like their current coaching staff instills fear in me. Like that game is always going to be scary just because it seems like they get up for it and whatever voodoo they put on us, they it works. But it's not like Liam Cohen was was building this crazy, insanely good offense that was going to just start wrecking teams in the SEC. Like if he wanted to stay there, I'm fine with that. Like I'm kind of more terrified of them getting somebody better moving forward. I know that that's also what I was thinking too. They could look into someone like being much better than Cohen was. Not saying that Cohen was bad, but what if they get someone that's better? You might be the wrong person to ask about that. I don't. I have no idea if you know about this. I just saw the headlines of the story this week. So the guy that they brought back on the staff, the other guy that they brought back on the staff, again, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of laying the foundation here. They brought somebody else back on the staff. There'd been drama with him between he and Stoops, and I don't – the Herald Leader had a story basically being like, you may they may say that they've put their differences aside, but this like behind the season the, the scenes note kind of realized that there may have been more bad blood than we thought. I don't I have no idea, but I just want anything that could um could pile on Mark Stoops and maybe make this thing fall apart. Is yeah, I'm all in favor of. So yeah, I, I have I have no idea on that front. Yeah, I don't know. It's all I know is Liam Cohen's gone, and that's all that matters. And we'll see who they hire next. But hopefully this means the downfall. If anybody knows what I'm talking if about. If they actually hire Will Stein. We're gonna well, then it. I'm going to be upset. Then I'm not going to like it. Then I don't want that to happen. But, yeah. Um, if, if, if anybody, throw me a lifeline. If anybody knows what I'm talking about. There was a story this week, and I can't remember what it was. Texture says, I'm hearing Josh Hurd has a new candidate for the Louisville Lens basketball head coaching gig. I have it on hood authority, maybe high authority, <laughs> that conversations have been had between Josh and Vince Merrow. Well, you know. Got to give him a raise. Got to keep him around. It's the big dog. He's got a blanket over the city. Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> woof, 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 woof. I wonder if Vince Merrow has seen those tweets. Because like, like, when I do the, the, the spiel, it's my favorite bit right now. And a lot of UK media people will text me and be like, this, please never stop doing this. It's hilarious. And at some point, I feel like Merrow's going to have to. It's gonna be, I need it to be on his radar. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if he's seen them and not realized that it's sarcasm. I don't think he gets the joke. Yeah. Eric Wolford is the, the coach that... That I'm talking about. Yeah, that does, that name does not ring a bell whatsoever. He got a new contract this year, but there had been some drama between him and Mark Stoops. I guess I don't. Who knows what's going on? Mm. Texas. Let's just hope that Teddy doesn't turn into Purvis Ellison. I can't imagine that <laughs> that Teddy would pull a Purvis. No. I mean, At least I would hope not. I know that it's a unique situation because, like, none of the guys that were here when Teddy was was quarterbacking our, our back. You know, Charlie Strong left right when he left. There's no Tom Jurich anymore. I'm sure a lot of the university employees that were around. But it's not like he's unique in that situation. Like, a, we have a lot of guys that have come back to the program and stuck around and, and been supportive who saw all their coaches, all their administrators leave not that long after they graduated. So I would hope that Teddy would still have fond feelings towards Louisville. And, and honestly, it's on Jeff Brom to establish that reputation. It seems like he's doing a good job of, Making some some re- like relationships happen with the bigger names in South Florida, and now you'd think that Teddy would be an easy one to to forge a relationship with, and hopefully that happens. It was cool seeing all the the schools that Jeff was visiting this week, and you know, they're really I think they're they're trying to get back on more of the traditional recruiting track for the next cycle. I think that they you know, this mm-hmm. was kind of a they took fourteen players in this year's class, 
I think they want a bigger class in 2025, and they definitely want to reestablish that Florida pipeline because it's been so beneficial to us basically since we've been a, a good, relevant national program. Um, Texas says, Big Dog Mike, Liam Boy is done. Do you expect any negative impacts to the useless K football team? I love the uh, I love the verbiage. Uh, I, I love the shots fired. I love the rivalrying. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? It all depends on who they get to replace them. It does. I mean, I, I think there's... It's a, it's, it's a strange situation now because you feel like you've already got the part. Like, you need to get a coach that works with the parts that you have, not vice versa. Like, what Brock Vandegrift does well, you mm-hmm. need to bring in a coach that can play to his strengths at this point. Like, you don't, yeah, it's 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 odd to have this opening at this point in the offseason cycle, but they're going to have to get a guy who, who can, can play to the pieces that they have. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys in the Thornton Sex Line. It's the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Let us know what's on your mind at 502-414-1450. We'll be right back here on uh, 1450 The Big X. Matt Dennison here inviting you to join me weekdays at 11 a.m. for the Hoosier Report. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers, interviews with prominent figures in Kentuckiana sports, and discussion of other sports topics important to Southern Indiana. That's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Weekdays at 11 a.m. on the home for the Hoosiers, 1450 WXVW. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompt, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. Welcome back in, Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. We were talking just before the break about uh, Jeff Brom, the recruiting efforts that they, he and the staff are making with the class of 2025. We do have a new commit um, that happened a few hours ago. Jake Cook from Westerville North out, out of Westerville, Ohio, three-star prospect, committed to Louisville this afternoon. He is ranked as the number uh, 47 uh, offensive lineman in Ohio by twenty, uh, so offensive lineman in the class of twenty twenty five by twenty four seven Sports and the number forty two overall prospect in the state of Ohio, also had offers from NC State, Boston College, and Akron among others. He becomes uh, the, the latest member of Jeff Brom's class of twenty twenty five. Six foot five, two hundred ninety five. Can never have enough offensive linemen. Welcome to the program, Jake. Let's make memories together. Let's make it happen. Boom, done. Love <laughs> it. Um. We have an update on. Have you been on the show when we've talked about this story about the the three 
guys who went over to their friend's house to watch the Chiefs game. They were found dead. The, the, I did hear about you've that. You've seen the story. Yeah. So we've talked about this. Scoots and I have been talking about it for the last couple of weeks and how we're just fascinated by this. Basically, quick refresher if you don't know what we're talking about. There were, there were three friends. They went over to their buddy's house in Kansas City to watch the Chiefs game at the beginning of January when they played the Chargers. They never came home, and people started wondering where they were. They were gone for two days. Finally, one of their fiancés and one of their brothers found them in the backyard of the same house, all, all dead. One of them was sitting in a chair. Two of them were on the ground. The initial report was they froze to death, which seemed very strange. Right. Then it came out like, nah, it was not going to be. The, the weather wasn't cold enough for them to freeze to death. That was super weird. And the guy whose house they were at said that he spent the two days where they were missing asleep on the couch. Just had noise-canceling headphones on, had a bunch of... Uh, noisemakers on, didn't get anybody's messages, didn't get anybody's phone calls, uh, did not hear when the, one of their fiancés was trying to break into the house despite the fact oh, that he was God. on the couch. I didn't know that part. Yeah, he, he's he kind of has just been presumably playing dumb. He did, however, wake up right when the cops were all there just to find the body. So it's been a weird thing. I, I think we've all sort of assumed that some sort of illegal substance was in play here. It's the only thing that makes sense. And today, the details came out about the toxicology report for the, the three people who died. And... No surprise. The early toxicology report showed traces of multiple substances found in the three men's bodies. It's the only story that makes sense here because, you know, the guy very clearly didn't kill his friends. Uh, you know, there's no gunshot. There's no sign of a struggle. There's no, nothing like that. Right. The, other, the fifth man who was at the house said when he left, everybody was just kind of watching Jeopardy. But he very clearly, I think, knew something had happened because he changed his story a bunch of different times. The story keeps changing. The only thing I can think of is he gave these these guys something it went wrong and then he just kind of panicked didn't know what to do didn't want to get arrested and was just kind of hoping something just blow over something would happen I, I don't even just had no idea what to do and maybe took some stuff himself and just slept for a couple of days but it, it's a bizarre story but it, i mean the, the the likelihood of there being substances substances involved was like 99 percent. we found that out officially today so We'll see exactly what was going on at some point, but they're still saying no obvious signs of foul play. Nobody's been arrested. But that is wild. Again, developing story. We'll find out more as time goes on. 502-414-1450 the Thornton Sex Line. We'll take some more texts from you guys this half hour as we get ready for a big weekend in the sports world. Not that big, but <laughs> kind of big. Big weekend of college basketball for sure. Texas says, my hope is that we can get a coach that can turn around a program as fast as John Ramsey can chug a beer. What three coaches could turn around the program the fastest and get us into the tournament next year? Not who our top three in general are. First of all, I do love the, the, that clip, the old clip of John chugging the beer somewhere made its rounds today. Did it really? I don't know what it was in reference to, but John did text me. It was like the good old days. I was like, they, they really were. Um, yeah, State of Louisville put it out there. Uh, oh, because uh, Bring Brom Home Guy, there's the big rumor that he's John Ramsey. He said he can, he can chug a beer in six seconds or something. He, he keeps dropping hints that he's he's been doing this for a while that he's John Ramsey, and it's 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 not John. It's it's, no. it's a smoke screen. Uh, I, the thought of John just staring at his phone and being on his phone for twenty hours a day does make me laugh because it's the least John thing of all time. But also, John could chug a beer in like one and a half seconds. It was one of those deals where like he told me about it when we started doing radio together, and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Like I, I've seen some people <laughs> sure, chug. John. And then yeah, people came up to him, challenged him when we do remote shows. And honest to God, like you know, the video's out there. Like he's unbelievable at it. It's, it's very impressive. 
he did say that he lost in the finals of a beer chugging contest on a cruise ship. And then he realized later that, like, the, the guy that he, was an old, like, veteran who had a, like, he'd had, like, part of his, like, lung removed from an old injury. So he, like, just could, like, just ch- basically it was, like, a gigantic hole that he could just, like, throw beer down and not even really have to swallow it. So it was, like, oh it was totally, gosh. it was, like, totally cheating. But he's like, yeah, I lost to that guy. As far as the guys who could turn the program around the fastest, I don't, I mean, who knows, right? Dan Hurley? Realistic candidates. Well, no, the, the texture is saying realistic candidate or not, like who could actually do it. But well, yeah, I mean, I, I think we'd win with Bill Self next year for sure. I think I, yeah. I think he would have us in the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, I'll say like Bill Self, Dan Hurley, um, John Shire would get you players. No question about that. He'd probably bring some of those guys over from Duke. True, you'd be pretty good next year. I don't know if he can coach him up to a national title, but Cal Perry would have you pretty good next year. He'd bring in some talent. No question about that. I would love if we just took Cal Perry. Oh, that'd be so funny. Payne comes over and just coaches UK. Cal, Cal gets so mad at the treatment of they Kenny swap Payne. coaches. He's like, I'll show you how tough it is. And he comes over here and wins. I'm, I'm, all, I'm fine with that. <laughs> if we're talking realistic, guys. I mean, I, I think that you have to. Here's the name that keeps coming up on the show. The biggest. Uh, the, the Will most, Wade. Well, not Will. Well, <laughs> Will Wade would win here. He would. That's not a concern. That's not an issue of mine if we hired Will Wade. It's not the fact that whether or not he would win. He'd get you players. I, th- there are other concerns. Mm-hmm. Anyways. But the name that keeps coming up as far as a program that we point to to say there's no reason to have this slow of a build in this day and age, TJ Osselberger at Iowa State. You know, oh, they, they, they went 2-22 and before he took over. He went to the Sweet 16 in his first year, inheriting a program that won two games the year before. I mean... We won twice as many games as that last year, and we're, we've won three times as many games as that this year. So if, if Otzelberger could come in there and go to a Sweet 16 in year one, he'd probably win the damn national title here next year in year one. We got we have we have a better groundwork laid at U of L than than he walked into at Iowa State. So there's that. I think. Um, I mean, I don't know. You want to say like Jerome Tang? Do you think Lamont Paris could have could eventually like maybe be a candidate? Towards the end of the season, I would love it. Like I, I think that I, I thought he was an odd hire at South Carolina when it happened, just because he'd had he was good at Chattanooga. They should have won a game in the NCAA tournament uh, the, the year before last, um, the year before his last year there. They got beat by Illinois in that last second shot, but it still seemed like he hadn't really proven enough. And, and South Carolina maybe could have gotten after somebody a little bit better, but he's done a hell of a job there. I, I mean, they're they're legit good, and they were. Really, really bad last year. That's the other thing is, you know, is this the true Lamont Paris or, I mean, because last year they were one of those teams that was down there with us in Ken Palm. They were like they were oh, like yeah, they were in the two hundreds in Ken Palm. They were really, really bad. But he has turned it around pretty quickly at a program where it's pretty tough to turn things around fairly quickly. And now they're they're eighteen and three. They've beaten Tennessee. They've beaten Kentucky in the last couple of weeks. They'll get. Uh, I mean, I think they'll probably lose to Georgia tomorrow. If I'm being honest, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see. It seems like Michi Johnson's great. It seems like they don't. They're a little bit pretenders, but my God, to have that team at eighteen and three, you don't get there without being a hell of a coach. And he's he's kind of stepping that up. Texture says, um, "I watched a video of someone highlighting standouts in the Senior Bowl practice. Highlights Johnny Wilson saying the guy is tall. I swear, if he said all shucks after that comment, I would have lost it. <laughs> Tell me he's wrong, though. He is tall." Johnny Wilson Stahl. Did you know, I didn't know until a texter pointed it out yesterday, that Colorado plays Cincinnati next season. 
So we will, really? we will have Scott Satterfield and Deion Sanders interacting at one point in the middle of the college football season. They play in October. I that, cannot wait for that visual. I mean, I want like joint press conferences. I, I want like live stream of them talking at the 50-yard line before the game. I want to know what Scott Satterfield says to Deion Sanders. Like, how do you initiate a conversation with Deion if you're Scott Satterfield? Like, so y'all like to run the ball too? Like, what's he <laughs> going to say? I've got no idea. Um, Texter says, what does Matt think about his Celtics being a 14-point favorite and still losing at home badly to a Lakers team that was missing LeBron and Anthony Davis? Ugh. In my opinion, it shows how worthless the NBA regular season is. It didn't feel good, I can tell you that much. I mean, I thought that was going to be an easy win with both LeBron and AD out, but I, I don't think the regular season is useless. I do think is it is a little bit long, probably. Probably needs to get shortened a little bit, but I don't think they're ever going to do that because, you know, money. When you talk about being a Celtics, because we talked about this before, you've been on during like the playoff time. When you talk about being a Celtics fan, are you like, I'm following every single game, I'm following the ins and the outs, or are you more of like, a, yeah, it's it, it's down there, it's like a fourth or fifth level fandom for me? It's it's definitely the latter. Like I I pay way more attention to football and baseball. Like when the red season gets here, like I'll be paying attention like to every game, yeah. all the happenings on that front. I, I do the same with the Colts. And this past season, not as much just because I was kind of eh, on the season. They ended up almost making the playoffs, so I, I tuned in a lot towards the end. I mean, call me a bandwagon fan all you want, but, you know, try being a Colts fan. It's not fun. But with, with uh, the – Don't want to hear it. It's a good point. But with the Celtics, like the bulk of the regular season is, season is like smack in the middle of like, you know, football and then basketball and then – all the other collegiate sports that I'm having to pay attention to for work that like I don't really have the time to like really really keep up with them as much as I want to. So like by the time like the end of the regular season gets here and the playoff gets here, because like by by that point the athletic season is pretty much done for a little save for baseball. I've never had like a real NBA team, and I used to say in high school and in college, maybe a couple years after that, I'd root for the Jazz just because everyone hated the Jazz and it pissed them off. So I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Jazz fan. But I never actually followed the Jazz. I've never really felt bad about that until like these last couple of years where I'm like, I'd love to have a pivot at this point in the sports calendar. Like I'd love to be living and dying with, I don't know, like the Atlanta Hawks on a, on a random Thursday night when I've got no Louisville men's basketball to get excited about and all this stuff. But it's just, it's such a, when I watch the NBA, and I still, you know, I'll always watch the playoffs because it's the playoffs. There's not, a, you know, baseball's going on, but there's not, there's not a whole lot else happening at that time. But I always would watch like the first couple of weeks before college basketball started. And then I got too flooded with work. Mm-hmm. And I would get, I would see the appeal of the game and I would kind of get into it. But it's just, it's such a long season and it's such a different game than college basketball. And then the playoffs start and they're so long. And it's just, like, you know, as somebody who grew up, like, my first taste of basketball was, was Louisville basketball. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I ever watched an NBA game until I was, like, probably, like, like eight or nine. I went to an exhibition game at the – like, I, I just – I was never into NBA basketball because my dad and my brothers weren't into NBA basketball. And once you have that kind of in your DNA, that's the first seed that's planted in your fandom, it's tough to adjust to a game that is so, so different than the college game. And – you know, watching NBA basketball is an entirely different experience. I, I mean, I do remember like you know watching the games growing up and being like, "Why aren't they pressing? Like, why, why isn't the crowd standing up? Like, why? <laughs> like, this is so different." Um, but the, the last couple of years, I have 
wish that I could have a basketball pivot to something else. It'd be nice to have something else to cheer for at this point in the year. Because now I find myself like, I'm very excited about the red season. But if they do have a dream season and go to the playoffs, I'm like looking ahead at how far that's going to be. Like October, we'll be in the middle of Louisville football season. The Lions just ended. I'm not even thinking about next season yet. I'm still hurting. And like that'll be, we'll be in the middle of the NFL season. It's so far away, but it will be nice to have something. I just enjoy having something in the summer every night to kind of flip on and, and watch and follow and, and get excited about. Because um, I am that crazy fan. Even when the Reds suck, I'm watching like pretty much every game. Oh, yeah. During the summer. Which, Same. Yeah. Please be good. Please, please, please give me something here. Texter says, uh, TJ, this is for KRC text. We, look, if you text KRC from 3 to 6, we're going to read it on our show. TJ going <laughs> to need you to replace the batteries in your wireless alarm devices so that puppy stops running away. I don't know what happened this morning on KRC. Trey, do you have any idea what was they, – they had technical difficulties this morning, I'm told. Do you have any idea what happened? Trey's back there somewhere. Trey, he's not listening to us. <laughs> All I know is when – Either Ra- that he's scrambling for the microphone. Yeah, maybe, maybe both are true. All I know is when Roush put out his show tweet, he talked about how they had some technical difficulties this morning and some weird stuff was going on. And then, you know, they, they feud with Matt Jones. So I'm sure there was some back and forth there with the Matt Jones reading the, the text and all this stuff. So it's, it's crazy. Text says Kelvin Sampson guy here. If Kelvin oh. Sampson gets hired, can I guest host the show with you for one day? Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, there's Trey. <laughs> he was in the bathroom. <laughs> If Kelvin Sampson gets hired, you can absolutely host the show. Hell, you we'll make it the the Kelvin Sampson guy show. We'll change the name of the show if we get Kelvin Sampson. Trey, I was just asking, do you know what happened with KRC this morning? I do not. I do not know what happened. They had technical difficulties, all I know. Uh, I did not even hear about it. We're running. We're smooth sailing here. I, I hope so, yeah. We're all good. It's fantastic. Texture says, this year's Super Bowl is just like this year's presidential election. The rematch from 2020 that nobody wanted. <laughs> I've not heard that yet. I'm that's sure that's something fun. that's going to be repeated a billion times over the next week. But that's because that, it's good. That's actually funny. It's very good. Uh, have you ever seen Better Call Saul? I have not. I've seen Breaking Bad, but not Better Call Saul. You, we're in the same boat. Um, I enjoyed Breaking Bad. Loved it. I feel like I should watch Better Call Saul, but I've never watched. I've got friends who love Breaking Bad too, and who who are like, I enjoy Better Call Saul more. Better show. I've, I've heard a lot of people say that too, which which is it seems crazy to me to say that because Breaking Bad was so good and it's one of the top television shows of all time. And for you to say that like this show is better, like I'm having a hard time like grasping that notion. I made the executive decision last night. I made it, I made it official. I'm going to start watching The Sopranos. I've never seen The Sopranos. Neither have I. I know it's like the 25th anniversary. Trey was talking yesterday about how it's his favorite show. And then I went home and the first time that I, I scrolled through my Twitter feed. The first thing that I saw was somebody using a Sopranos video. I'm like, this is a sign that I need to watch it because uh, Mary and I have caught up on our shows. She's she's now she's, she veered off. She's watching The Crown. She, I've never seen it. She watched every season. The, the latest one just came out a few months ago, so she's catching up with that. So I feel like I need something to watch when I'm before I'm going to sleep, and I feel like I'm going to start The Sopranos. So that's yeah, my yeah, there's a lot of shows. Yeah, there's a lot of shows and movies like that are classics that I haven't seen. Like another show that I haven't seen is The Wire. You got to watch The Wire. I know. I've I've come on. Man. It's one of those shows where I feel like everyone I know has seen it but me. It's great. It's the best. I did, like, the last two seasons of The Wire I watched on a week-to-week basis on HBO because I got caught up. I, I, and this is how old I am now talking about this. Like, I used to read Bill Simmons when he was doing the Page 2 stuff. when Because he, mm-hmm. he was, you know, for all the hate that Bill Simmons gets, and a lot of it is justified, I think. He was 
like the first kind of real sports blogger that was out there. When he was doing those sort of things when I started college and when I was ending high school, it was so unique and it was so new and it was so fun. And I'm like, hey, like this is it, it's a more laid back style of writing, and I enjoy like the the, the live blogs when the Red Sox went to the the, the World Series and the ALCS in 03 and 04. And it was just kind of fun to see a sports fan ride as a sports fan. And I remember he was the first person that I ever heard bring up The Wire because we didn't have HBO at my house when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I started watching it after reading him talk about it and watched the first three seasons on like DVD, I think. And then like my, got my dad into it. So he ended up getting HBO so we could watch like the last few seasons. And we were so into it that during the last season, we actually watched it over the Super Bowl between the the Giants and the Patriots like the Giant like the the one really? where like I like we were watching the Super Bowl and I was like I kind of want to watch cuz it looked like the Patriots were going to run away with it and we flipped it over for the end but like I was like I I don't want to miss like the, it's a new episode of the wire and it was the one where cover years if you don't want the spoiler uh I, I, I won't say like a, a prominent character died in the last season and that was that episode and I kind of knew it was coming because it had been spoiled for me, but I wanted to see it. I was, I was not going to miss it. I was that, that, That's how into the wire I was back in the day. Hmm. And I've rewatched it a couple times. It holds up. It's still great. Texas says, I'm so sick of Taylor Swift. They literally show her 40 times a game. It's so annoying. I mean, just, you know, it's like five seconds. Just, you know, look the other way. Check your phone when they show her. It's okay. It's going to be fine. Texas says, where was Brock Vandegrift's dad on January 6th? <laughs> Um, oh, that's good. I feel like I'm going to hate the Van- this Vandegrift guy. I feel like he's the type of guy that you're – he's going to be the type of player that you love if he's on your team, but you hate everybody else hates. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just going to be just pure meathead. He's going to say something about UFL during the, the rivalry week. He's going to you know, play it up a little bit. It's going to be bad. Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Texas says, I'm hearing rumors that DJ Wagner is going to drop down from the rafters to the Yum Center during halftime to announce that he's transferring to Louisville and that Carter Knox is committing – that's the other rumor that's out there right now. So you, you've got you've got DJ Wagner, his dad, mad about something. That's why he's not playing. And then you do have from some people out there saying that like he wants to come to Louisville. Look, guys, I didn't think we'd still have to be doing this uh, a month and a half before he almost certainly turns pro and goes to the NBA. DJ Wagner is never going to play for Louisville. We did DJ Wagner update of the day. We kept doing it even after it was like uh, I was like ninety nine percent sure that he was going to go to Kentucky. After everybody was like he's going to go to Kentucky, mm-hmm. we can we need to let go of this. Wagner's like I'm going to make a prediction too. Twenty years into the future, DJ Wagner's kid he ain't coming to Louisville either. We at some point we've got to stop <laughs> doing this. The first recruitment that I ever remember following was Dewan Wagner. They wrote about him in the Courier Journal. They talked about how he scored hundred points in the game. They talked about how he's going to come here and. and Help the program out of a tough spot because his dad played here and he ended up going to Memphis at the last second. We do the same thing with his son when DJ was getting good at like 14. We're like, he's going to come here. He's going to play for us. He's not going to go to Kentucky. He didn't come here. DJ Wagner's going to have a kid. He's going to be a top-level recruit. He's not going to play for Louisville either. Let's go ahead and get out in front of that. Two decades from now when I'm 60 years old doing the Mike Rutherford show, I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to fall for the okie doke. He's not coming here. No Wagner's ever coming here again. Thank God we got Mill on the bench, though. Doing something. It's going great. Texture says the best Sean McVay coaching tree product is Jed Fish. You're damn right. He's the Jeff Brom of the West. He's the Jeff Brom of the West. Jed Fish began as a joke on this show. I didn't realize Fish was the McVay product. He's, he's the man. Yeah. Of course he is. I mean, Jed Fish literally started as a joke on the show. We were, we were bringing up some gambling element. and We were talking about Arizona football, and it was Fish's first year, and they were terrible. And we are like, who's the coach at Arizona? 
And we looked up, like, oh, Jed Fish. I'm like, that's the funniest name of all time. And we just made fun of Arizona, made fun of Jed Fish. And then we got into it, and it turns out he was he was good. Second year, they are much improved. We start falling in love with Jed Fish. And then last year, they're fantastic. And now he's the head coach at Washington. He's the Jeff Brom of the West. We love Jed Fish. We'd love to see him come here if, if Brom ever leaves at some point. Texter says, I agree on the worry UK will get someone better angle when it comes to Cohen. I sort of felt that way when the Stoops A&M thing happened. I could certainly be wrong, but it's hard not to think that UK has sort of hit their ceiling with Stoops and company and beating Louisville is almost like the highlight for them most years. It certainly was this past year. I mean, oh, they, yeah. you know, they had no real quality wins outside of beating us. It, like I said, it's a weird dynamic where we can't beat them, but it's not like like when Calipari, well, Calipari still kind of is kicking our ass, but like when at the height of their dominance, the first decade he was here, when we were still really good too, but they were beating us. Like, yeah, I, I would have loved for John Calipari to go somewhere else. Every time there was a rumor about him taking an NBA job, I'm like, please leave. Go, go, go. With Stoops, it's not the same thing. One, you know, we kind of had our way with him when he was first, the first half of his tenure there. I think we won, what, four of the first five against him? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And it's not like they're just beating everybody. But but it is weird because like they've never been as consistently good in my lifetime as they have been these last few years with Stoops. So you would think you'd be like, get him out of here, get him out of here. But there is a part of me that's like, if he left, they could theoretically get somebody better and they could become like a team that is winning nine to 10 games on a consistent basis and they're even tougher for us to beat. I don't know. I mean, if I'm leaning one way or the other, I'm, I'm leaning towards go ahead and leave Stoops because like this clip, this isn't working for us right now. But there is a part of me that's like they're not getting any better. I tell you what, though, he's probably just waiting for the Iowa job to come open and for Kirk Ferentz to finally retire or get fired. Nobody leaves Iowa. They Iowa hires a coach. They... When they hire a coach, they wanted to be there for 45 years. So <laughs> They didn't want Brian to be there for much well, longer. <laughs> a head coach, I guess we should say. <laughs> Stoops is too old for that job. They're going to have to go get like a, the next 35-year-old who's going to coach until he's 70 there. That's all what they do. Um, I, like somebody asked TJ, what cigar are you smoking? And TJ said, nothing worth a fart. Not anything worth a fart. Uh, Texas, my buddy even said that not – oh. DJ Wagner apparently deleted all of his UK content from his IG. Oh. Is it possible that actually means anything? I can't imagine it does, but it's weird still. But also, I don't understand how, in hindsight, our fan base still has a section of it that were under the impression that KP, KP was legit in the running to get him. He was always going to Cal and World Wide West. My buddy even said that not getting in was the first misstep of the pain era, but I told him that if we're talking recruits, the real first misstep was not getting Imani Bates. I'm not sure Imani Bates would have changed much. Last no, year. I don't think he would. And he's kind of in... He's in trouble again now, isn't he? Yeah, he did. I remember seeing him in the headlines earlier this week, but I can't remember what he did. The Wagner stuff is weird, though, for sure. There's typically Instagram investigations. We think we kind of roll our eyes at them. A lot of times they do lead to to realistic stuff. Like a lot of whenever we've had a guy who's like, "Hey, this guy just unfollowed all of his U of L teammates." That guy always ends up transferring. And whenever we've had a recruit that just started following a bunch of Louisville guys on Instagram, most times we end up getting that guy. Uh, Matt, you're off to the the Louisville baseball leadoff dinner. I know you're very excited to to get that going. I mean, who's who the guest this year? I know it's a couple of former players. They've got Brian Hoeing and um, oh god, I'm just blanking on no, this. I'm second. sorry, I did that to you. That's my fault. I, oh, I know, for, I know for a fact that they've got Hoeing, and I I literally just put my laptop away, so I I can't just pull it. Uh, away. Is Bobby Miller? Bobby Miller, yes. Okay, two MLB pitchers at the Galt House tonight. Um, probably too late to get tickets, but if you show up, maybe they have some at the door. Who knows? Uh, we'll have Dan McDonald. We'll hear what he has to say. 7 p.m. tonight at the Grand Ballroom at the Gold House Hotel. Matt, thank you, as always, for spending some time with us. We appreciate it. 
greatly. we got one more hour here on the show. It'll be me. It'll be Trey Ryan. It'll be you on the Thornton Sex Line at 502-414-1450. We'll take you into the weekend after this here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 961, The Big X. back in five o'clock hour here the mike rutherford show the friday edition happy first weekend of february to you from all of us here at 1450 and 96.1 the big x hopefully your weekend's already off and running uh if it's not and you still got a couple hours of work left and you're spending it with us we appreciate that if you are heading home right now from work we appreciate that as well if you're already home maybe enjoying a it's not too cold for a back porch beer why not it's that time of the year we're good we're good. getting close jumping the gun is fine if you're wearing shorts t-shirt who cares uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us as well. Big thanks to Matt McGavick for being here for the first couple of hours of today's show. Uh, we got Trey Ryan producing the show. Trey, I thought your brother was coming in. He actually just walked in. He should be. Friday Patty, a.k.a. Second. 680 Pat. There he is. Patrick Ryan in the house. Um, I don't know what to do with him. I don't, I don't, I don't, he's here. He's not wearing the chain today. Yeah, he took it off. He got he got mad we were talking about it. <laughs> were you really mad? No. Oh, his mic's not working. Oh, is he on red? He's on red. No. There you go. I was not mad. Okay. I was not upset. No. Whatever. Uh, Patrick Ryan in the house. Trey Ryan in the house. The Ryan brothers are here. Uh, We have not seen Fratty Patty, a.k.a. 680 Patty, um, a.k.a. Young Patrick Ryan. A.k.a. WKU Patty. WKU Patty. Top of the hill Patty. Uh, (laughs) Since making the move to WKU, how is the – first of all, you're already home. It's a, it's, it's, it's been like three weeks. It's, a, it, it's I mean, February. It's a quick trip home. I mean, come on. How is the how's the random roommate going so far? We brought it up this week. Uh, other people were enjoying the story. Other people were telling their stories of having a random roommate when they started college. How's that going so far? Is he creeping you out? I've spoken to him three times. <laughs> but he does. He sits in the room with like AirPods and on the phone with his girlfriend like 99% of the time. Does his girlfriend go to WKU? No. That's a tough break for you. Because you would hope that he would be spending some time with her out of the room. Yeah, but like at the same time, like there could be a girl and his girlfriend could be in the room too, and like I don't want that. That either. would be worse. That's true. That a very fair point. Um, and he goes home like every weekend too. So. Well, that's good. It sounds like this isn't the worst case scenario. Yeah, he's quiet. And now you get your frappos. I've never. I will say that I've never seen him go to or come back from the shower. That's, that's 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 a touch concerning. No? He could be lining up with whenever I'm in class. Maybe his schedule's just uh, perfectly when I'm in class. But well, I mean, as I've long never as there's seen no odors, I mean, we should be okay, right? I mean, yeah, that's. <laughs> that, I mean, that's rough. What places like 3ds all the time? Too. What is the what? shower situation at your dorm? Like, is it? Uh, the dorm's only like three years old, but so it's. Uh, Do you have one in your room? No, okay. it's uh like a commute. Like everybody uses the same showers, but like there's like stalls and stuff, and then. Most of the time, I use like the uh, there's like an all gender restroom, which is just one person door locks. Okay, and I just go in there most of the time. It was honestly my least favorite thing of freshman year was having the communal bathrooms, just because not because I cared of like sharing or whatever, 
Like I hate how I, I pee a bunch in the night. Always have. So having to get up and like put on your sandals, and like walk down the, the bleeping hall and go in there, it was always really, really annoying. And our showers were disgusting. Yeah. Ours aren't. They're like like the dorms like brand like brand new. So well, one dude told me that he like he's like a junior and he lived there a couple years ago and he went into like the private bathroom, like the all gender one I was talking about, and pulled the handle off the shower and then mm. the shower could only be started with a pair of pliers mm. and he got his own shower. Oh. That's thinking ahead. That's the WKDU difference right there. Uh, we've got an hour left here of the show. We want to hear from you on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. We literally, I don't think, have, have done anything besides briefly mention the fact that the Louisville men will play Florida State tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Um, I don't even know what the game is. It's, it's bad. I've not written a preview for it yet. I'm not sure. I'm assuming it's an ACC Network game. There's no way that that's possibly like a ESPN2 type game it's a loaded loaded day of college basketball we're gonna make some picks coming up in the next segment but the fact that louisville is not part of that loaded schedule is it's sad it's depressing uh that is an acc network game by the way you can listen to it on the radio right here on 970 wgtk as the cards look to snap a seven game losing streak against florida state they will do so at home i want to get people's opinions of this because i understand where the fan base is right now i understand that anything related to the U of L men's basketball program just kind of makes everybody see red, no pun intended. But yesterday, like I think one of the, the saddest parts about what's happened the last couple of years is we finally have this fantastic video team like Corey Aldis and the group over there. They put together these awesome videos that they're incredible at what they do. And they've had so little material to work with. Like I found a video is like on my memories a couple of years ago of, the, the, the card files and it ended up being Chris Max ill-fated last season, but like the, the, the behind the scenes stuff they were able to do, the videos were awesome. This is back before we realized the season was going to be a catastrophe. Like that stuff was great. And they have so little material to work with. So yesterday, I think it was, they put out a video about Trey white scoring 29 points and grabbing 14 rebounds uh, in the loss to, I don't know who did we play last. This is was it Virginia Clemson. Uh, God, brain is just totally losing me and people lost their minds people were like read the room how could you put that like this is not worth thumping your chest over this is ridiculous and on one hand I understand it I'm certainly as frustrated as anybody else I would prefer just to put my head in the sand for the next five weeks and ignore everything associated with the program on the other like we have people who are who are paid to put together the what do you want them to do do you want them to put together like a Kenny Payne blooper reel? Do you want them to put together like, hey, here's some mock Zan Payne? Like they're doing their job. Trey White, despite the fact that we lost to Clemson, it was by literal standards a historical performance. He's just the fourth player in the history of Louisville men's basketball to put up a stat line of at least 29 points and at least 14 rebounds and just the second player to do it without the benefit of overtime. I get that it came in a loss. I get that we're 6-15. and 15. I get that we're 1-9 in the ACC, but people still have to do their jobs. I like Take it easy on the video department is my point. If you if you if it bugs you to see quote unquote positive stuff coming out of the program, just you know, scroll past it. It's very easy to do. Just ignore it. But they're doing their damnedest. And imagine that type of video if we were actually good. Hopefully we can get a new coach in here next year. Hopefully they'll they'll retain the video team, all the social media people, because they've done a great job and we can start getting some quality content for a, a team that's actually good. But did you see this, Patrick, the reaction? I mean, people were just yeah. were, were did, going nuts. Did you see that three of the four 29-14 games were losses? No. Three I didn't know that. Four. I don't know which one was the win. 
Was I, it? I think it was Samardo against in Notre Dame in like triple overtime his his sophomore year. If I had to guess, because I was at that game, he and Luke Herringote were going at it, and I know we ended up winning that game if it's the same game that I'm thinking of. So I guess the other two would have been in defeats. Wes Unseld and Shane Bahannon. I don't remember Shane Bahannon. I don't remember what game he did that, but it's weird to think that, that could have come in a defeat, but it sounds like it did. But still, can we all just cut the video the, the video team a break? They're doing the best they can. Is that me right there? On your phone? That, yeah, that, I was listening to the stream on the way here. No, it's, it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, tomorrow, I'll speak to you, you two youngsters. As two guys who have, we've mentioned Louisville basketball fans in their formative years. I feel bad for people your all's age because, you know, you got to experience the national title, but you all were youngsters. You, you, we were there, though. You were, we were there. You were, you, you were there, but but very young. And since then, not a whole lot has happened. Have you found it affecting, like, your interest in college basketball overall? Because a lot of people my age, who you know, we, we grew up we living and dying with all this stuff. You know, some of them are, are just totally checked out from the sport. Some of them are still into it. They're excited to watch all the top 20 matchups. I mean, you guys are, are youngsters. You guys have a... The world in your hands. By the way, Shane had 30 and 15 in the Notre Dame five overtime game. Oh, he did? Yeah. God, I don't remember that. I was there. I don't remember that at all. Um, what's your interest level right now in college basketball just overall with Louisville being this bad? Are you just kind of checked out? No. I, I still like college basketball a lot. Like, I'm still really excited for Houston, Kansas tomorrow, Purdue, Wisconsin on Sunday. I am, I still watch top ten, all the top 10 matchups I can. Trey? I'm completely checked out. I, <laughs> I, I pretty much would only watch for UofL, and I obviously still watch their games, but for me, it's just all about them. I don't really care about anyone else, so I haven't watched too much basketball at all. There it is. Just the, the differing takes right there. Uh, let's take some text, 502-414-1450. Uh, we, we have a lot of – we get a lot of TJ Otzelberger love on the show. If Otzelberger winds up getting the job, it, it won't, this won't be true. But I'm absolutely going to take credit for spearheading the Otzelberger movement. Because I feel like you never heard his name come up, and then it started coming up on the show a lot. And I was like, yeah, I like Otzelberger. And now it's become a little bit of a movement. I don't think he's going to get the job. It's, it's He certainly was talked about other places, but we're going to take all the credit for it if it happens. But Texterberger Texter, says Otzelberger's wife is like Miss Iowa State. She was the best player in their women's basketball history. I don't think they're leaving ISU anytime soon. You don't know that. You don't know that. I mean, Chris Mack was Mr. Cincinnati. Played at Xavier. He left. His wife was from here. Maybe Otzelberger wants to create his own career path. I, I get it. Like Iowa State's a good place to coach, but if you can go to, to like Louisville's a, a, a top-tier job in the sport still. Is it a cut below the top six program? Sure. But it's still a top 10 job in college basketball, and I won't hear any argument to the contrary. And Iowa State, while I think it's an underrated job, Hilton Coliseum is, is awesome. It's a great basketball fan base. It's not Louisville. I don't think you can win a national championship at Iowa State. Maybe he proves me wrong. If they could play every game at Hilton, they would. If you could play every game at Hilton, they would win a national title. But that's not the way that it works. You can win a national title at, at Louisville. Come win a national title at Louisville, TJ. TJ's the way. Do you want the correction on the Smarto stat, or do you want to move on? Yes, give me the correction. He had 36-6 and six in the Notre Dame game you're okay. talking about. On December 23rd of that year, he had 29-15 uh, against Louisiana in a win. 
So that so he was the only win, but it wasn't that game. He was the only win, but it wasn't I, the for game. For some he reason, was I thought that he had like a billion rebounds in that game. I, I guess it was just points that I'm thinking of, because uh, I was at that game too, and it was like we just kept feeding it to him, kept feeding it to him. It was a crazy game. He shot. He sh- was 16 for 19 from the free throw line. Yeah, it was a lot of foul. It was kind yeah. of. A, a he only had six game. boards though. Smarto, board up, man. Texas says uh, T.J. Otzelberger guy here. Do I get the same treatment as the Kelvin Sampson guy if T.J. gets tired? Yes. You guys can both host the show. If either one of those guys get tired here, you guys get to host the show. I will take a day off. Does Kevin Sampson guy come in with Otzelberger guy? Is that what you're saying? I mean, if they both get hired, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's no, it's, crazy. It, it's, it's one of them. Texas RIP Apollo Creed. Yeah, we started the show saying our, our sad goodbye to Carl Weathers. Um, meant a lot to me growing up as a guy who loved Happy Gilmore. I know he meant a lot to other people for his his other roles, but very sad. Seventy six, still should have had some good years left. Um, miss him, miss him badly on the show for sure. Texas says yes. I'm so glad you're going to watch The Sopranos. People really want me to watch The Sopranos. It's it's like a personal thing for them, and I'm not just saying like text line or, or like my friends are like every time that I say uh, I'm thinking about watching The Sopranos, and then I do, like like two days later they're all like, Have you watched it yet? Have you? St- what, what do you think? I'm like I haven't I haven't started yet. Like give me a break. Well, give me some room. They all are just desperate for me to watch The Sopranos. Sopranos people are really big into The Sopranos. That should tell you something, Mike. It should. That should tell you something. Texas says Sopranos is great, but Home Improvement is on Disney+. Plus. Wow. That's a good point. The kids these days, they love they love the old syndicated shows. It's probably a youngster there talking about Home Improvement. I did that question popped up. I take the um, like a news quiz on Friday. It pops up in my email every week. And one of the questions that like forty percent of people got was the the most streamed show of twenty twenty three. I'm like, it's Suits, baby. Talked about it on the radio. No, I watched it before it was cool. You watched Suits before it was cool. I watched it when it was still on Prime Video before it came to Netflix. Is that when it was cool? Not when it was on. Like, wasn't it like an NBC show? Oh, whenever it was airing, it wasn't cool. See, but like, yeah, kids, <laughs> kids don't watch shows when they're live on TV. Who wants no. to do that? You have to wait for them to release. Like that. And, ne- and I don't. Yeah. When it, whenever it was on Netflix, it was cool. But I watched it on Prime Video. It is crazy that we've everyone predicted this when I guess Game of Thrones was the last show that like a huge chunk of the American populace was watching on a week to week basis, and then it, things had already started changing. But Game of Thrones kind of got going before the streaming movement really really got going, and people were releasing seasons of, of shows all at once. And it is wild. Like, I mean, when I was your all's age, God, I'm so old. But when I was your all's age, it, like, it, it very much was like you got together with people to watch shows when they were on Thursday night at eight o'clock. It was like the thing, and you had to wait for a full week to see the next episode. And now, just nobody does that, and it's it is better. Like I, I hate watching shows on a week to week basis. It's, it's, it's I think, terrible. I think girls still do that with The Bachelor. Is that yeah. the, stuff like that? Are reality shows kind of the only things that people still do yeah. that for? I guess and like the the girl based the girl targeted ones. Scoots does it with Survivor. <laughs> oh yeah, it do, doesn't all roll call do it with Survivor? I guess. What do you guys make of Scoots and his roommate watching Survivor together and Scoots signaling to, to, to Gil that it's time to watch Survivor by doing a conch shell yell? It's one of the one of the most outrageous things that I've ever heard in the show. And Scoots, he dropped that ball last week where he was like, I, I'm sitting on my couch when it's time to watch Survivor and Gil's not in the room. I go, <laughs> and that's how I let him know. And he comes in and we watch Survivor together. I want a documentary on the living situation with Scoots and Gil. I used to always say I wanted it with Trevor and his mom, but Scoots and Gil, I mean, they act out TV shows together. 
They're calling conch shells to, to, to watch Survivor together. It's a fascinating living situation. Also, think, what I is th- the relationship? How do they even know each other? Well, there's a lot to be. The I don't. I'm out of the loop on that. I don't. They their high school they, they played, sweethearts. They played baseball together in high school. <laughs> we found that out this week. Because um, Scoot says Gil's a year older than him. Oh, he played. Yeah, yeah, he's older <laughs> than a cougar. He they played on the baseball team together growing up, and then I guess after. After college, they roomed together. They had an apartment together for like five years, and then they've been living in this house together for like a year and a half. So, so they're just always. Do they have a dog together? together? I don't. I don't think they have any pets. And Scoots did reveal neither one has brought a girl back to the house since they lived together. It's tight. <laughs> it's tight. They're yeah. Their their scoreboard going back to the apartment days seven years ago is I think it's two to two. So it's a uh, it's. I I think whenever one of them does settle down and like find love and move out, it's gonna be tough for the other one. I think it's going to be a tough Very. break. I think we get the reality show. We, we still can get Kelsey Manor, and then we do a spinoff where they swap. I, oh, my God. That's my dream. Jesus. <laughs> but I think whoever swapped with, like, who had to go to, like, Trevor's house would just be, like, they wouldn't last a day. No. They'd no, be done. No. Texture says, uh, ooh, you don't have to read this if you don't want. It puts Roush in a tough spot. I don't care if it puts Roush in a tough spot. I'm going to read them. Texture says, so apparently we all projected that rumor onto the radio show out of thin air and they're not at fault in the slightest are bad. I don't even know what that's. I'm assuming that's the DJ Wagner rumor. I don't know. If, is, it, is it broken that it's like true or not true? Who knows? But uh, I mean, we look. Apparently he never even had any Kentucky posts on his Instagram or something. I saw oh, somebody say that. Oh, really? Is that what like it is? six posts up, bro. Like he had to have deleted some. I saw somebody say that. I, I think he's going to play for Louisville tomorrow night. That's the rumor that I'm starting. Doesn't have to be enrolled. It's cool. no. <laughs> he just shows up. There are no rules anymore. He and Karan Davis starting backcourt tomorrow night for Louisville Ooh. against FSU. Make it happen. Speak it into existence. Text that I'm in desperate need of some big bets for the weekend. Give me all you got. I'll give you some at the end of the say. The, the two I gave out yesterday both did not hit. I saw that. That was, that was mine. I looked. I felt. Yeah, so you do. The SMU game. I felt okay about that one. It didn't hit. They did win. They just didn't cover the eight and a half. I felt really good about Wisconsin. I did bet that myself like fairly heavily. And they were up 18 at halftime. And so I'm like, I didn't even watch the second half. I'm like, it's done. And they lose in overtime. What? And I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But I was, they were in a good spot to maybe make a run and win in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, they, they still are. Like, they're not. It Purdue was a game's huge. Big win for Hoiberg and company. But I like, you know, as somebody who bet the game, it was a late tip. I think it tipped off at 8:30, and I got the kids down to sleep. Checked that it was 45-27 at halftime. I'm like, oh, I don't need to watch this. And then before I went to sleep, I'm like, I haven't. I have not gotten my funds yet. Why did I not? How did I not won this bet? And then I checked, and they were in overtime. Watched a little bit of the overtime, and they were already down by like six, and it was bad. But I, yeah, over two yesterday. We will. We'll try to do better today. Texas says they literally show Taylor Swift forty times a game. Is she acting all woke? I'm outraged. They literally only show Drake thirty nine times during the NBA playoffs. Even worse, they literally only used to show Jack Nicholson and Diane Cannon uh, thirty eight times during Laker games. Damn, sissifying football, making America common. Yeah, my, my wife took strong issue with the person who said they show Taylor Swift 40 times a game. She had to text me and be like, they show her like five times, and she's fine. 30 seconds of a three-hour game. People really have to get over it. People are very upset about it. It's so annoying, Mike. Yeah, it's fine. It's so annoying. Just look away. It's okay. No. It's going to be fine. It's ruining football. Texas says, diehard O's fan, Mike. Oh, congrats to you. Any thoughts on former division foe Corbin Burns? Excited to have him join the team. The O's are, are loading up. I'm glad Corbin Burns is gone. I mean, he owned us with the Brew Crew 
that's a a solid get for the O's. I'm if I'm an Orioles fan, I'm very excited right now. They're having a great offseason. They obviously had a great year last year. That's a a franchise on the upswing for sure. As long as the Brewers still have Devin Williams, I don't think the Reds can get him. God, that guy's a beast. <laughs> He's insane. <laughs> The Reds were like a collective 0-27 against he, him. He, when, when, like his good stuff is unhittable. I don't even blame the Reds. When he's on, like he's absolutely unreal. Texas, welcome back, Patrick. You've been missed. Thank you. I, that's the first time like I think anybody's been nice to a co-host on the show in like five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You should feel uh, you should feel pretty good. Texas says, I wonder if DJ Wagner is starting to follow the Shaden Sharp playbook. Well, it was the it was the Ennis Cantor before anybody, right? Well, Cantor just wasn't declared eligible. He he couldn't have played if he wanted to. Shaden Sharp was was eligible. He just kept stringing everybody along. He's like, I'm coming back next year. I'm coming back. And then he's like, I'm not coming back next year. I mean, where is is Wagner really that? Where, where is he right now on NBA mock drafts? Because I I, th- I don't think he's ahead of Dillingham. Yeah, I think he's like back. I think he's like top. He might be lottery, but like barely. I think if, he might be fringe lottery. That's my guess. He's been so like feast or famine. Like, I feel like half the time when I put on UK games, all of the UK people that I follow on, on Twitter and all my friends are like, he's playing terrible. He's keeping us out of the game. And then I look up and he's like, hey, he's the SEC freshman of the week for the third time. Like he's, I, I don't know what to make of his season. When I've watched them, that he hasn't been great. So he is on USA Today's latest mock draft. He's 27th on NBADraft.net, which I know people scoff at and say is, is terrible. He is 30th. So if I'm him, I'd transfer to Louisville. <laughs> if I was him, if if I'm him, I'm not sitting this thing on the sidelines. It seems like you can, you have more to gain by playing than you do by sitting out. It sounds like he is not a lock to be a lottery pick right now. I don't know if the issue is they're they're upset with the way that Cal's using him or what's going on, or maybe it just is a real injury. But if it's something besides that. I mean, he was on the bench on Wednesday on Wednesday night, and apparently was cheering. I saw Jones saying that on Twitter uh, about him being a good teammate. But it sounds like he's behind Dillingham, and on some of these mock drafts, he's behind Reed Shepard. Yep. I don't know. He's yeah. twenty-seven on ESPN. So. Twenty-seven on ESPN. So I, you would think you would want to keep playing and, and play your way back into the lottery, but you know. Texas, the Donovan Mitchell All Star video was fire. It was pretty cool. Donovan's the man. Texas, I would actually enjoy a Kenny Payne blooper reel. I mean, what if the... I'm sure somebody will do it. I mean, yeah. Not... I, I the Zan Payne blooper reel was getting hated on. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't really just so much a blooper reel as it was like, hey, Kenny said he played great defense. Here's 85 clips of him playing terrible defense this one game. I mean, I don't think the blooper reel is going to come from UofL. I do look forward to the day where we can... Like, there, there's going to be a lot of fun to be had when this finally is over. Because right now you're still in the middle of it. I think there's still a legitimate fear out there that, hey, maybe he could get a year three or something like that. But I am looking forward to the day where we can do like a top ten weirdest Kenny press conferences, like the weirdest quotes that happen, like the like go back because I've forgotten so much stuff over the last year and a half. I think I've repressed a lot of it. I'm excited to go back and be like, oh yeah, I remember when he said that. I can't believe that he we, we actually believe that. No, there will be some retrospective. Now stuff. I don't think I should say this. Anytime that comes up, you probably yeah. shouldn't say it. Yeah, you, you, you know it's going to be bad. Texas says, so instead of a wife swap, it's roommate swap. Yeah, yes. that would be great. Yes. That would I be feel cool. like Nancy Nancy and Scoot's like, that wouldn't be as good. Nancy and Scoot, they'd get along too well. Like, they like, like they both would, would be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
they'd both be appreciated more than they are. I think Gil would just want to die if he spent 24 <laughs> hours with Trevor. Texture says, any chance Brad Stevens is ready to leave the Celtics front office and return to co- Coach College, Louisville will be a good fit for him. I don't know if that's a legitimate text. I don't know if that's somebody playing the, the Brad Stevens game or if we actually are back to – we're so far removed from Brad Stevens not being a real, realistic coaching option that we're back to like the whole, like, hey, would he be willing to do this? Uh, I did love when I took Virginia to the, the women's game last week. Yeah, you know, we're she was desperate to leave, and so at halftime we're like kind of I'm, I'm trying to kill time to like keep her there as much as long as I can because I want her to to get into the game. But like we're like walking around the concourse, and somebody who's got his his young son just walks past me and without missing a step. And if you're listening to this, I loved it. It was great. He's like, Brad Stevens available, Mike, and like just keeps going. I was like, hell yeah, buddy. I, I laughed very hard as I'm trying to console my like my daughter who's complaining about wanting to go home and and she's not having fun and she wants to go see Disney on Ice. I'm like, yeah. I appreciated the Brad Stevens reference. Texter says, to the guy who said Otzelberger won't leave ISU, here's some of his contract details. He makes $2.5 million a year right now and will pretty much max out at $3.5 million in two years. We could pay him more in his first year here than what he'll max out at in his year six at ISU. Money talks, TJ. Money talks. TJ's the way. If they win at Baylor this weekend... Do we have a rhyming hashtag for it, though? TJ is the way. It's yeah. the, the guy who texts in about Osselberg all the time is what he said. I like I it. I think it needs to rhyme. TJ and Way do rhyme. TJ. TJ okay. is the way. Maybe. maybe. Jay Way. Yeah. All right. I've seen it now. It's a Trevor conversation. <laughs> it, like, I think they're kind of up against it this weekend on the road taking on Baylor. But if, they are, if they're able to win that game, all of a sudden they establish themselves as a realistic threat to be a top three seed. And with everybody talking about Houston, Kansas, new guard, old guard for the Big 12 championship, they're right there for the Big 12 championship as well. They're 5-2 and two in the conference. Um, if Kansas beats Houston, they're in first place in the conference. So um, TJ might be the way after all. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get through as many texts as we can, and then we'll look ahead to this big, big, big weekend of college basketball and make some predictions. We'll also predict uh, Louisville's Saturday night game against Florida State as well. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. We've got the Ryan Brothers here in studio on 1450 and 96.1. Big X. Final segment of the week here on the Mike Rutherford Show on Friday. 1450-961, the Big X. We're taking you into the weekend here. Patrick Ryan, studio Trey Ryan, producing the absolute hell out of the show. We appreciate ha- having you both of you guys in here. Let me see. I, I got the I do this best of Louisville thing, where I'm on the like the best of Louisville All Star staff. It's not a big deal. I don't like to brag about it too much, <laughs> but it's true. And every Friday they send us questions, and like the people put, um, we give answers, and they put it in the magazine. And I'm seeing what this maybe I can outsource this week's questions. Let's see here. I can do that. On a scale of, I don't even know if you guys, if this is up your alley. On a scale of one cup. To five cups, 
On the high end, how would you rate Louisville's coffee scene overall? You guys don't strike me as big coffee kids. I'm not. What kind of local coffee do we have? We have Heine Bros. Honey Brothers. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I used to love Highland Coffee, which now is closed. Yeah, smaller closed ones up. that I would never know about. Yeah. I mean, there's some good local coffee spots, but it's. Uh, three and a half. I'll give it like a three. I think it's a three. Three. <laughs> Sounds good. There's a couple more follow-ups. It's all about coffee this week. Oh. It's all about, last week was all about pizza. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, I think Louisville's pizza scene's good. I think, I think people hate on the Louisville's pizza scene, and it's underrated. It's so underrated. I think Very it's underrated. Good. I think, I think it's solid. What's the best pizza spot in Louisville? Sorry, side note. Best pizza spot in Louisville? Yeah. It used to be Clifton. Mm. Now I think it's... I like Wicks a lot. I, I know it gets hated on because it's, it's sort of like mainstream Louisville pizza. I, I would say Wicks, I like Coles a lot too, but that's kind of a niche thing if you mm. like the, the artisan style. Uh, but I'll say those two are probably my favorite. I like the Post. Big Bunny. The Post is good. Big Bonnie and Clyde's guy over here. I've never been to Bonnie and Clyde's. You're kidding me. Every time it comes up, you're like, you got to go to the South and you got to go to Bonnie and Clyde's. But then every time it comes up, then I get hit with like a million people who are like, it used to be good. It's not good anymore. Don't even go there. No, it's still good. It's still the same guy. Well, the same guy with his mustache. Eventually, I'm going to have to go to Bonnie and Clyde's because I've been hearing about it. I can make the trip out there then. That's true. It's it's, it's a very fair point. 502 414 1450. We'll take as many texts as we can this segment. Then we will make some predictions about. A monster weekend ahead in men's college basketball. We'll also predict uh, the Louisville-Florida State game tomorrow. <sighs> Seven straight losses for the Cards to FSU. We'll see if we can can right those wrongs Saturday night inside the KFCM Center. Texter says, Back in the early 2000s, streaming and DVR wasn't a thing. If you missed an episode during the first airing, you just missed it. In college, I ran home drunk from a bar one evening just to watch 24. It's a great point. Like, and if you missed a show while it was airing live, you had to wait until the DVDs came out if you wanted to see the episode that you missed, or just hope that on one of like the, the the weeks where they didn't have a new episode, that they were going to replay that specific episode. It was a different time, folks. I mean, just to to age myself even more, my sophomore year of college, we were the, the OC was the hot show. We were big into the OC. It was the second season, and we had something going on, and we missed an episode. And the girls who lived a floor above us in our apartment complex, they had a they had taped it on their VCR, quite literally on their VCR, and they gave us their tape to watch the the, the replay of. And if we didn't have that, like there was no way to watch it. You couldn't go. It was a different time. It was harder time. You had to be fully attentive. You had to be committed. I mean, you had to set your VCR and hope that it didn't work. If you set your VCR to record something, it was like a one in five shot that it was going to record it properly. So if I had like a, a baseball game or a basketball game growing up, we were recording an episode of TV that I really wanted to watch. I came home, no idea if it was going to work or not. And if it wasn't, I had no pivot. I had nowhere else to go. Kids just don't know the half of it. You have no <laughs> idea what it was like. You'll never know what it was like. Texture says, I heard through the grapevine that Bozak Smith is starting. He was spotted at the Qdoba on campus. I, my, my, one of my favorite recurring things about... Do you all even know who Bozak Smith is, by the way? Did, I think he used to ref... Local basketball yes. game. Yes, so he played yeah. for Louisville in the 1990s. He was, I mean, very distinct look. His name was Bozak, for God's sake. He was beloved here. Still is beloved here. But my favorite thing is that every single summer, I'll get like three or four texts or tweets or DMs from somebody who's at an AAU event and is like, oh my God, Bozak Smith's refing. Yeah. And it, it, he's, he always pops up as a ref every single summer now. It's yeah. great. He's pa- the man. Parent refs, too. Parent refs, too? Yeah. He's refed a few. Of my, he refed a few of my games growing up too. Did not know that. Bozak and Perrin, Bozak never and together. That would have been cool. Texas says I'm not trying to troll, 
but I'm genuinely curious why UK football's program has had so many coaches that are wanting to leave. Stoops tried and got the rug pulled out. Cohen left twice after one season, and their offensive line coach already left once in controversial fashion. Well, it's because, you know, all the money's going to the big dog. The big dog's making like $17 million a year now. It's just there's not enough money to go around. It's the big dog's world. The big dog's got the big office. Um, I think they've named the weight room. It's the Vince Merrill weight room right now. He gets to basically call plays. It's the big dog's program. It's his program, and so nobody wants to be there. I've also heard Stoops smells. That's the other big rumor that's out there. There's also a rumor about a Vince Morrow statue, too. Well, that's coming. You have to wait until he retires. Obviously. That's the way that it works. Texer says, it's hilarious that UK fans are whining about how disloyal Liam Cohen is. Mark Stoops was on the verge of leaving for Texas A&M before the brass pulled their offer at the 11th hour. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. A&M reached out to Stoops. They reached out to Vince Morrow, actually. Stoops thought about it. After Vince Morrow turned him down. And then he was sitting at the bar, mulling over the A&M offer, and then a a song popped into his mind. It was Green Day's Good Riddance Time of Your Life. He's sitting there, and this montage just started, where it was him hoisting the Governor's Cup trophy, and the friends that he'd made. In the great state of Kentucky. Losing to Georgia. Losing to Georgia by only 62 points. All these things popped into his mind. He's like, you know what? These people dedicated their lives to me. I'm going to dedicate my lives to these people. Until Kirk Ferentz falls over. No. It's not about money. It's not about bigger programs. It's not about job opportunities. It's about, by God, the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And he was... He stood up at the bar after that epiphany, and he said, no, threw his hands out, and nobody even knew what was going on. And then he picked up the phone. He called the brass at A&M and said, you can take your offer and shove it. I'm a cat for life. That's what happened. He said, cat. I'm a cat (laughs) for life. That's exactly what happened. No, that's not what happened. What happened is they they leaked that he was going to get the job, and AM fans revolted, and then they were like, no, we don't want you as the coach. That's what happened. But no. everybody does want to leave. It's because he smells. Texas, the hate from these people regarding Swift is sustaining me through the grief of the Lions' loss. These idiots. Someone did the math. She's averaging 40 seconds of screen time during a three-and-a-half-hour football telecast. She's a government plant. Come on, man. You don't know this? Sheep. She's a government plant. Stop believing everything you hear from the mainstream media. Texter says, oh, Scoots texted in. Please read this. <laughs> Great way to start a text. Literally the only mindset you should realistically have regarding T-Swizzle. Um, this is from Scoots. He said, it's, a, it's a post that says, an NFL game is three hours long. Taylor Swift gets about 25 seconds. Well, which is it? Is it 30 seconds or 25 seconds? Nobody can even get their story straight. Uh, 25 seconds of screen time that she didn't ask for. The Emmy-winning lead game directors for each network makes these decisions to show her in broadcasts. That's 25 seconds of a girl enjoying life and supporting her boyfriend at his job. She brings little girls to their dad's side to enjoy a game together. She brings wives to who otherwise wouldn't care about football next to their husbands on the couch. It's a little bit stereotypical. All to catch a 25-second glimpse of Taylor Swift living her best life. If that makes you miserable, I'm truly sorry for you. I'm just going to say that Scoots wrote that. Wise words from Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus. Leave Taylor alone. She's fine. It wouldn't be as bad if it wasn't the Chiefs. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I like Taylor Swift. I, I, 
it adds a little spice to the broadcast. I'm fine. I just hate the Chiefs. I hate them. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't be as wouldn't be nearly as bad if it wasn't the Chiefs. I mean, why couldn't she have dated somebody cool? Why couldn't she have dated Amon Ross St. Brown? That would have been cool. That would have been great. Jared Goff, not Jared Goff. Yes, Jared Goff would have been as cool. He looks like Ryan Reynolds a little. Jordan bit. Love. No, not not cool at all. <laughs> Texture says, Mike, is there anybody even left in the fan base that wants to give Payne a third year? The only people that even comment on it anymore are his friends. I think there are people left. Brady Brom. Brady Brom wants, wants Kenny Payne to have a third year? I don't know. You breaking news there? <laughs> no, I don't know what he thinks. Don't put that out there. He's a company man. Well, I understand that. You know, they're, they're supporting. Coaches support coaches at, yeah. at UofL. It's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I, every now and then I do get somebody who I think is genuinely making a case for... Kenny Payne to get a third year. For the most part, the ones that I see that that are like advocating, and advocating is too strong of a word, the ones who are talking about it are guys who are like, he's going to get a third year anyway, so just stop complaining about it. Like something like that. It's not like, hey, he deserves it. Look at what we're going to do. I, I, I'm sure that there are people out there that want Kenny Payne to get a third year who just aren't vocalizing it because there's nothing to be gained. If you put like If you put one tweet out there saying, I think KP deserves a third year, he hasn't had enough time to build the program or whatever, like you're just nobody's going to to be in the comments being like, yeah, man, go get it. It's gonna be nobody's gonna be like, I respectfully disagree. You're but throwing to you, each one's own. You're you're throwing chum in the water, and the sharks are gonna come immediately. You're gonna get piled on. It's gonna be bad. So I think there probably are some people out there that just aren't vocalizing that opinion. But yeah, it's even they are in the vast, vast, vast minority right now because look, the guys won ten games in in two years. There's at some point it becomes very difficult to defend and at some point it becomes impossible to defend and I think we're we're kind of reaching that point. Texas says sorry about the Stevens text. I'm new to the area and only discovered your show in November and I can't listen every day. Thanks for answering my text regards. It was it was a genuine Brad Stevens uh, to, to answer your question genuinely texter. I would welcome Brad Stevens to be the head coach of the University of Louisville men's basketball program. I've been beating that drum for 15 years. Let's bring him here. Make it happen. It's time. Bring Brad home. Make that into account. Texture says, uh, if you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. Buy the shirt. I'm good with a Vince Marrow. Big dog. Would you wear a Vince Marrow t shirt? Yeah. If you came to Louisville? No, just like right now. It's that it doesn't have to be it's like gray. It just has Vince Marrow's face on it. It says big dog. What if Vince like came to me and was like, I want you to start leaking all my stuff? He's like, <laughs> I'm gonna give you like I, I became the new Vince Marrow guy after making fun of it for five years, where I'm like he's recruiting well for us and all of a sudden I'm like I'm like Hearing a lot of reports that Vince Marrow, candidate for the Arkansas head coaching job, and people are like, I don't don't believe it at all. You're just trying to get him a raise. I'm like, I would never, ever do that. For Did informa- you not hear me making fun of him? In exchange for information, please. That's ridiculous. That's conspiracy talk. Texas, I apologize if you already talked about it and I missed it, but have you talked about Robert Carpenter of NMSU clocking the Liberty player in the face? While I'm not excusing his behavior, if you watch the video closely, the Liberty player initially headbutted Carpenter in the face, causing him to punch. Yeah, I, I, I saw it last night. It was bad. Like you, didn't he like knock him out? He knocked him down. I don't, I don't think he was ever out cold. You saw him in the entire time. He looked like he was conscious, but he was definitely in a bad place. You can't. I, I don't care. The Liberty player does make contact with him. There's a little bit of of pushing before it happens, but there's you can't just hit a dude with a right cross in the middle of a basketball game. I, I don't know if it's he got ejected. I don't know if they'll suspend him for the entirety of the season, but he's got to miss at least a few games. Like, that's just, you, you can't do that. Basketball's the, gone soft. Well, I mean, this is a program that had a player kill somebody last year, and they had to suspend the season. So 
you probably want to avoid the negative headlines right now. It'd be a good thing for them. They it was a big win for them last night too. It was their their best win of the season. They almost beat us. We beat them in overtime, but they which I think I have checked the stats, but I think their win over Liberty still would be their biggest win of the season, even if they had beaten us. <laughs> but they did. Uh, they won in overtime last night. It was a big win for them. But yeah, he's probably not going to play for an extended period of time. That was a bad look. That was it was. It was they finished with five players in overtime though. Did they really? That's it. No, like oh, against us. They, no. they, they played with four. I've forgotten yeah. that. <laughs> See, all the stuff that I've already forgotten over the past year is just piling up. Remember when we won a game in overtime where they finished with four players? <sighs> um, we do have to get we, we should we should give a shout out too to the Bellarmine Knights last night. Uh, they win on the road over Kennesaw State with a last second shot. I mean, if if you haven't seen the play design, go Ben I, Johnson. Ben Johnson, former Kentucky Mr. Basketball. Um, they they have the, they do the out of bounds play where they throw it all the way across the court. Dude jumps, catches it. The be, be the, the the pass catcher becomes the screener. Uh, Johnson in one quick motion catches the pass and drills a, a high arcing three to win the game for Bellman in overtime, 96-95. That was going to be a really tough loss for them because they were up big in the OC. They had allowed Kennesaw State to go on a 9-0 run to take that two-point lead, and that shot was uh, was fantastic. It's their first, um, uh, take it back, it's their second road win of the season and just their sixth win overall. They're, they're having a tough year. They talking to, to Doug a little bit and talking to Scotty a little bit, they've dealt with more injuries this season than I think they have in, in like five years combined. They've had a bunch of players who have lost family members at various times. Alec Fram, who, who was their kind of their star at the beginning of the season, dealt with concussions in the middle of the year, and then he had season-ending surgery on Monday. So they're without him. Really limited roster. I think they're, they're at a point now where they're like, any win to us feels like just a, a monumental deal. They're trying to just claw out a few victories before the end of the season and getting that one last night was was nice for them. Sorry, uh, sorry, but if, had they beat Louisville, would Kennesaw State still be their best win? Uh, Kennesaw State is 254 on Ken Palm. They beat Bowling Green on the road, who's 206 on Ken Palm. We, however, are right now 192 on Ken Palm, so we Bang. would be their best victory Bang. if they had beaten us. No big deal. They didn't have Ben Johnson when we played him. Almost 100 spots better than we were last year. Bang. Improvement. We'll be in the top ninety next season with Kenny Payne. Year four will be, will be number one, right? No problem. Texture says, I remember one time my mom flipped her bleeping lid when my brothers and I didn't record Melrose plays. I never watched Melrose plays. One of my favorite. I mean, you guys never had this this situation where you would have to record stuff off the TV. One of my favorite stories is my wife's probably not listening now, but when she was growing up. And this should shock nobody who knows her now. She got very into Titanic when we were like in 13, 14 years old. And Titanic was like the big movie out there. And so she was very into the My Heart Will Go On song by Celine Dion. And she would like record music videos. Because this is the only way that you couldn't go to YouTube and watch a music video if you wanted to. So you had to have it on tape if you wanted to watch it on repeat. So she's at home. My Heart Will Go On pops up on MTV or whatever. She grabs for the first VCR, the, the first cassette she can find, pops it in there, hits record. She tapes over her sister's talent show, which they had not watched yet after doing it, only tapes over the parts where they're performing. She's like, I got in so much trouble. It was the most ma- mad my mom was ever gotten. I mean, so it literally is like, and now walking to the stage, like Laura Bystrick, and then it's like, near, far, like just <laughs> completely tapes over it. Um, they, again, moments that only 90s kids can understand. Texture says, 
Wagner flowers back on the big Z rule. Knox joins with them, starting the hashtag KP3. What if we just took all of UK's players for next year? DJ Wagner comes to Louisville. Trenton Flowers comes back from Australia. Big Z comes over. We get Carter Knox. Come on. Come on. Shaden Sharp comes back and like gets his eligibility back somehow. Bring him back. Bring him over. Texas says, Mike's never been to Mike Lennings or Bonnie and Clyde's. He hates the South End. Well, hold on. I've been to Mike Lennings a million times. I was about to say. That's, that's blasphemy just, right there. I grew up at Mike's Lennings. Like they, I mean, the swing set. Looked forward to it every time. It was packed. I was still was, I was rolling right over there. I've been to Mike Lennings, I would say, at least 30 times. Never been to Bonnie Clyde's. Rookie number. The way you just sounded like. Stop. What you just said sounded like somebody who knew about Bonnie and Clyde's but had never been. The swing set? I went there. That's Mike Lennings. <laughs> I grew up the at Mike Lennings. fish Lenning's. sandwich? Yeah. Now, Mike <laughs> Lennings, people do say. I haven't been to Mike Lennings. Hand up. I haven't, probably haven't been in 10 years. But people have said the same thing where they're like, Mike Lennings isn't as good as he used to be. And I feel like the last time I went there with my family, my family was like it tastes the same to me. I'm a kid, but like they were like it's not it's not what it used to be. Not when we were coming here back in the the 80s and the 90s. They've raised the prices too. Well, everybody's raising. Everybody's prices. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, inflation works, Trey. I know, but it's just like it's how the U.S. dollar works. It's excessive in Mike Lennings, yeah. unless I'm remembering it wrong. Texas says the Liberty player is soft for lying on the floor after getting punched in the face in the old Big East. That would be considered a play on. <laughs> The old Big East, people were pulling out switchblades and just stabbing each other at the opening tip, and then you had to play through it. If you didn't bleed out, you weren't getting a foul call. Texas says if KP could chug a beer in world record time, would we keep him? If he did it, like, often. I don't see KP. Maybe, Wor- maybe World I'm, record time. Maybe I'm misreading him. Maybe this is just, a, like, my, my character evaluation is just off completely here. I don't see KP as a slamming beers type guy. This is if he was. I, I'm just saying in general. What is he, more of a whiskey on the rocks type guy or what? I feel like KP doesn't drink that much, but if he does, it's like a, it, it's sipping like a liquor drink. I feel He golfs a lot. I feel like anybody uh, that's who golfs, a good point. Like, as much as he golfs, like they have to be drinking a little bit of beer, I would feel like. He doesn't strike me as a high noon guy. I don't think he's no, a seltzer guy. No. Probably a mid guy. Not a long drink I see guy. Miller Lite, I can see, but I, I don't think he slams beers. I think he drinks beers. I don't think he slams beers. He's not throwing some back with the boys on a Friday night. But like, if he, getting if, hammered. If he had the ability to chug a beer in world record time, would that be grounds to keep him? I'd say so. No. If he did, if he did it regularly, after every win, after all ten, if it were one of those situations where if he got really drunk, he coached better, then maybe. <laughs> and like before the game, like the team, like he like chugs like ten. All in world record time. Yeah, then and then, then just went out there, and, and he had to like get a few as the game went on. I'd keep him. Outside of winning more basketball games, there's nothing about Kenny Payne's personality that's going to make me advocate for a third year of this. I'm sorry. Texture says uh, KP going with the my team is on the floor tomorrow with Sky Tyler and Hersey all out. Is Sky Clark officially out for tomorrow? Has that been announced? Trey, do you want to play? I'll go in. I think we have an idea. Um. The Pike intramural team's ready to go. No, no. All he said today is Hersey Miller is still getting consultation. I don't, I, th- that situation is very strange. I don't know what to say about it. I've got, like, it's also one of those strange situations where I haven't heard anything about it, like right or wrong, like no rumors, no nothing. Like, th- there's nothing. I, I, I don't know what's going on whatsoever. I'm completely in the dark there. He did say today at his press conference that Sky Clark and Tyler Johnson are both game time decisions. Which, I mean, to be honest. 
we played better against Clemson with no real point guard out there. Maybe if we just start with the 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 crazy six that we ended last year last uh, Tuesday's game with, maybe we'll win. Who knows? Uh, Trey White, go nuts. Play point. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Zan. Zan can play point. I'm fine with Zan playing the point. I don't care anymore. It's just do whatever. Get Aiden McCool out there. Get Trey Ryan. Get Trey Ryan out there. Who cares? Would they be better with no coaches like every game? We've we had this discussion before oh, as well, and I think they can't be worse. I mean, I'm, I'm, no, they there's have no to way be they better, can be right? Worse. Texture says, what's Master P up to? I don't know. I, I, I need to text him. Be like, hey, man, what's going on with Hersey? He'd yeah. probably be like, who's this? He's probably out of town. Hey, Master P's got to be out of town. So I wonder if Master P remembers the show that we did together at this point. I don't know. If, I don't know if he has any recollection. It's been almost a year. I'll be like, hey, man, when's episode two dropping? Also, what's going on with your son? <laughs> what's the deal? Or maybe you can just talk about it on it. Maybe you get him to do episode two, and then like, gotcha journalism, drop it. What's going on with her? Son? Maybe. Yeah, just grill him. I'm sure and that would go over well. And mercy. Where's he going? Texas says, Mike, was all that coconut water Rick slammed all the time actually coconut water or like Malibu rum? No, it was it, it was coconut water that I know. The, 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 the coconut water toss was legendary. It was fantastic. Texas says, KP, in fact, already have a golf trip booked for the ACC Conference tourney weekend through the end of the first weekend of March Madness. I would hope not. I bet he does. <clears throat> Texas says, did, uh, did Master P have a falling out with Witten and Heastan? Not that I, I met Jeremy Witten last year. Jeremy Witten has an actual no-limit chain. He got one from Master P. I wanted one. I didn't get one. Maybe if we'd had, maybe when we have the second show, it'll happen. Maybe but, episode three. God, I need one. Texas is always good to hear my favorite TD throwing tackle and the flamethrower P Diddy comment on sports. Hey, no, you were a viral sensation. There for like a day or two. Hey, that's how viral works. Better than not being a viral sensation for a day. I don't know if we can even call it viral. It was pretty. I mean, I saw it. I saw it on national sites. Let's <laughs> pick. Uh, go ahead, P Diddy. I went pretty viral on mobile Twitter oh, after the little did. Kentucky game. What'd you say? I said I went pretty viral on Louisville. I know, but what, 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 what did you say that went viral? Oh, I didn't say anything. It was what I did at the Louisville Kentucky game. Oh, the you you were in the yeah you, the, the mask yeah. on the, the bag on. And you're one of those guys. One of those. Guys. One of those guys. The, the in the pain the in the pain bag. That was me. We have a monster weekend of college basketball ahead. We've got a couple of games tonight. Uh, St. Bonaventure taking on Dayton. Creighton hosting Butler. But Saturday is the big day. Let's pick some games real quickly here. Noon at, uh, on Fox, UConn, the number one team in the country, the, the reigning national champions, will take on Rick Pitino's St. John's uh, squad, which is playing at Madison Square Garden. That's a noon tip on Fox. We don't have lines for any of these games, but um, let's put it at what? UConn probably like minus six and a half, uh, I, I would say. Uh, P. Diddy, Trey, any shot that the, the Johnnies pull the upset here over the Huskies? Mm, UConn wins and covers. The, the, I like the, Rick. The imaginary spread. I, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I, I think UConn is going to win and cover. Let's see, Ken Palm has it as a four-point spread, probably closer to like five, I would guess. I, Rick poked the bear here. I think Danny Hurley is going to go all out. I think it'll be a competitive game. I think UConn wins. I think they do cover. Uh, four o'clock on ESPN, number four, Houston, taking on number eight, Kansas. We do have a spread for this one. Houston is a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. It's the metric kings, Ken Palm, the net. They love Houston. They've got them as the number one team and the number two team, uh, respectively. Houston also has more quad one wins than any team in college basketball with seven. But Kansas, it's the best home court advantage in all of college hoops. Patrick, what do you think? Uh, it's close. Kansas gets the BS whistle down the stretch. Kansas wins. I mean, I, if you've ever believed in a Big 12 conspiracy, now is the time to believe in it. They don't want a new team coming into this conference and owning this league in year one. They will do everything they possibly can to make sure that Kansas wins this game. 
that Kansas is going to wind up being favored by tip. If you like this right now, bet it right now because you can get some uh, some some extra money on Kansas money line. Uh, and and then uh, Tennessee Kentucky real quickly eight thirty on ESPN. Both teams coming off losses this week. Does UK bounce back with a big win over the number five ranked Vols? No, I think Tennessee wins. I really do. Tennessee wins. Duke Carolina six thirty on ESPN. UNC is a four and a half point home favorite. Mm, winning cover. UNC wins. They don't cover it. Tarios by three. And then the biggest game of all, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. Louisville Woo! taking on Florida State, trying to snap a seven-game losing streak to the Seminoles. Do they get it done, Patrick Ryan? No. I don't think they do either. Florida State, uh, I'm going to say I'm gonna say we cover. 79-73. Hopefully I'm wrong. And Purdue beats Wisconsin on Sunday. Purdue beats Wisconsin on Sunday. I agree with that as well. Everyone have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the first weekend of February. Enjoy the hopefully sunlight. We'll see you guys back here Monday. At three o'clock. Kentucky Alice, only locally owned sports talk. 1450 and 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports Radio. WXVW Jeffersonville. Keep it locked on Kentucky.